Today on Snail Trail 4x4, we talk about how much money it takes to live out of your car. Welcome one, welcome all to the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast. If you like going off-roading in Toyotas, wrenching on Toyotas, camping in Toyotas, and maybe even poking a little bit of fun at Toyotas, and of course hearing about how awesome rooftop tents are on Tacomas, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host today, Tyler. Sitting here on the other side of the studio is one third of our people in the studio, Mr. Jimmy Jett. James, how are you today? Dude, today is awesome. Today's awesome? Today why is a great day. Why is today awesome and a great day? I got laid last night. That's a good reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> we got an explicit rating. We're good. Earmuffs. Uh, earmuffs. <laughs> Little kids. Yeah, maybe we should put a, a warning on the front of the episode. <laughs> earmuffs for the first 10 minutes. Um, no, so that's cool. Uh, uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you. How's thank Pamela you. doing? Oh, Rosie's great. <laughs> Rosie. <laughs> so, nah. so, yeah, we have a, a the special... assistant was uh, very kind. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. I was going to say, we have a special guest in the studio today, very unrelated to last night's events for you, <laughs> yes. but um, we'll introduce him here in a little bit. First, we want to get into some of the updates mm-hmm. uh, for everybody out there. Yeah, we've got a few big things going on. Um, we're at, right here at the end of October, so we've got the mm-hmm. tire gator, tail gator tire table. Man, <laughs> we mess that up every like, single time. I don't, know I, think. I don't know if we've said that correctly once yet. <laughs> um, the tail gator tire table ends mm-hmm. in a matter of days, so that we're going to be less uh, than a week giving that away. Uh, mm-hmm. Check uh, check in at least on November fourth um, mm-hmm. was when we'll probably be discussing who we're, won that we're planning on november 4th um uh, we will see if it for sure happens on november 4th's episode might happen on the 7th but it'll definitely be one of those two days yes yeah, definitely so monday or thursday of the first week of november there and then um next month uh-huh we are giving away the awesome freedom rope winch line and freedom rope soft shackles yes for jim's month yay <laughs> He's so excited. Yay. Can you, can you tell how excited he is, Mike? Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's because he got laid last night. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think it all kind of helps <laughs> out. But Jim uh, month, yeah. Jim's month's going on, and we do have a wonderful gift for you guys. Um, all you guys in that $10 tier on Patreon. It's a value of, I think we were saying, around $250. It's about $250 for the giveaway for November. So, yeah. yeah. And why is why do we call it Jim's month? Because my birthday is in November. And it's like, it's and not I claim only the so, whole month. So, yeah, this is the <laughs> fucked up part about this, right? He claims the whole month of November and his birthday is two days. Three days. Three days into the month. Yeah. And he takes over I'll tell you what, the entire I'll, month. The fir- November 1st and 2nd, somebody can mm-hmm. have those, but I'll take everything from 3rd on. <laughs> <laughs> How kind of you. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, I have some surprises. So, can you also guess then what my favorite holiday is? Thanksgiving. Your birthday? Halloween. Halloween. Why? Yeah. Just because it's well, so it's, close it's to your close birthday? To, yeah, and I'm a goof anyway. Uh-huh. So... 
Oh, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I love Halloween. Halloween's a blast. And nice. the assistant has a, a, a daughter, so um, I'm actually going to be able to go trick or treating again. What are you? How are you? There's a point at which you're not allowed to go trick or treating, and when you go up to the door, they just say you're too old. Uh-huh. And now I'm allowed to go again, and I'll just show up with a six year old. What are you dressing up as this year? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't figured it out. Soccer player or something soccer. easy. I don't know. <laughs> at least put some effort the, into the, it. The assistant's. Uh, if you're going to go. The Steal all the candy from all the kids. It's going to be a bat woman. A bat woman? Yeah. Uh, okay, I was trying to think. Yeah, I mean... So maybe I could do Batman. Maybe. <laughs> do you have a Batman costume? No. Yeah. I have a Colossus costume. Oh, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> but if we're talking about superheroes, then maybe it'll work out. Yeah. You could always... <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll save that one for later. Um, so cool. Yeah, Jim's month next month, November. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I have some surprises starting in November, um, and depending how our recording schedule goes, depends on how many surprises you get. Okay. So um, that's all I'm going to keep that at for now. Um, Jim's month is coming up. We have a really cool giveaway. So it's the recovery package, a synthetic winch line, and some soft shackles from Freedom Ropes. Yeah. So huge shout out to them. Uh, we'll get you some more information on Thursday's episode about those. Uh, what are the the stats and the physics behind the ropes? How long they are? Everything. So uh, we'll get all that to you on Thursday's episode. And uh, we have the gift box tier closing down. Yeah. So if you, if you want to get on that gift box tier, you officially have. One, two, three more days, not including today. Should we discuss what was in the gift boxes yet or wait till Thursday? Most of them are all out. I think we're going to wait till Thursday. Um, I think there's a few more. They might show up Tuesday or Wednesday right. um, in a couple days here. And, so. and unless you live in New Zealand. Unless you live in New Zealand, in which case you're just showing up probably near the end of November. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um so, yeah, let's wait until Thursday's episode. Thursday's episode is going to be kind of a fun one. Um, so, we'll be talking about the gift boxes. We have a fun topic of Halloween because it's up. falling yep. on Halloween there. Yep. yep. Um, we have a bonus episode coming to your ear holes on a Wednesday, uh, which is going to be planned. So, you're going to get two epi- three episodes this week. So, um, that'll be fun. Do you know what skeletons say before they eat? Bon appetit. Uh, bon appetit. Oh, oh, I got one. I got one. <laughs> nice. nice. Very yeah. good. Do you just have like a list of, of skeleton jokes in your phone right now? No. Okay. Is Google just giving I did, did you? Did I look at my phone before I said that? I did, you, not right now, but I wasn't here earlier today. No, I didn't. And I've been I, gone for a week for I you was, to research. Uh, <laughs> I was going back and forth with the assistant's assistant, the six-year-old assistant's. Uh, and uh, she was making up jokes, and I was reading them off of Google. Oh. <laughs> and so I have a bunch of these Halloween ones memorized. Nice. She had some good ones, though. I'll tell you, those little six-year-olds are creative. Maybe we'll have to have her come on the show and you guys can have a joke off. Joke off. Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, so, anyways, uh, I think that's all the updates, correct? Do we have more? Um, just a little basic one of that we've got so much stuff going on in November that so, we yeah. aren't going to be doing any videos of the podcast. Correct. So... So, you're listening to this on a Monday. Uh, there is no video for this episode, so... 
and there probably won't be any videos till at least the end of November, just because mm-hmm. we have a lot going on. Uh, Jimmy is going to be gone for almost two weeks, going to, and maybe three weeks now. <laughs> we'll uh, see. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he's got Turf and Surf. He'll be out at, so look for him down in Pismo if you go to Turf and Surf. Um, he's going to be out at SEMA. Yeah, coming with, home for 12 hours and then going to, mm-hmm. turning around, driving down to Vegas for mm-hmm. SEMA. Mm-hmm. Gonna and be, so, he'll be already have out. some really cool meetings scheduled for that. Yeah, I'm pretty you're, upset. You said you get to go to the gear wrench party, and I, I was do. like, "Fuck you!" I man. do. <laughs> so um, I asked to have a meeting with them, and then the next thing I know, <laughs> they're inviting me to their party. Nice. And I did ask for a plus one. Oh, nice. So, uh, are you taking Jason, Chris, or Mike? Uh, maybe our patron. Are the pa- is there, are we having a patron go too? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's bitching. Who's going? Kobe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. He's the... Well, what does his card say? <laughs> his card is the... Uh, yeah, I made him business cards. Yeah. <laughs> because you, to, for him to be, air quotes here, legally in the business, yeah, I have to have a media. business license that I proved that I have my business license. Mm-hmm. And then the person I'm bringing has to have business cards. So I yeah. made him business cards. Yeah. And his title is Creator of Opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm hoping he walks around and hands them out to everybody. Yeah. It's like, Kobe, I got you 50 business cards. I plan them all being gone by the time we leave Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll be cool. So uh, you're going with the Wheeling Wine and Whiskey guys, yep. Jason and Chris. Yep. And the Mike from Mike and Max's Off-Road Podcast. Yep. Uh, and then you're going to have Max, not from the Mike and Max Off-Road Podcast, but the Trail 4R writer. Yep. He's going to be around. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, Jason and Chris and Mike mm-hmm. um, are going to... And myself and mm-hmm. Kobe are all going to get a house together. Nice. Yeah. And so, That's we got gonna this... That's going to be trouble. Yes. Like it's a party gonna, Airbnb? Yes. yes. Pretty much. <laughs> and then Max from Trail 4R is probably going to be coming out and crashing with us at least one night. Nice. Yeah. That's going to be really fun. I'm pretty jealous and a little upset that I'm not getting to go, but you know, that's the way life works, right? Sometimes the day job has to take precedent. Sometimes the secretary says no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Yes to both of those. Yeah. So, uh, cool. So that's all for the updates. Uh, We have a really fun episode today. So um, let's go ahead and introduce him real quick before we go to our break. Yeah. Uh, We have a special guest in the studio. You guys have heard him a little bit. His name is Mike, but he is essentially the what the the king of overlanding you mr mr norcal overlanding i've i've heard him classified as the norcal overland guy (laughs) i don't i don't think i have any any nicknames like that nothing self-proclaimed but i know my shit can you (laughs) self-proclaim a nickname (laughs) it's truck norris Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So we've mentioned yeah, him a, a lot. Handle. That's a yeah. handle. <laughs> so we've mentioned him a lot. His Instagram handle is Truck Norris. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check it out. T R U C K underscore N O R R I Z. Um, he has some of the funniest uh, stories <laughs> oh, and shit far. that he puts together there. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so he's here in the studio today. His name is Mike. Awesome guy. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and go to a quick break. And then we'll come right on back and jump into today's campfire discussions here with our special guest here. (laughs) 
Welcome back, ladies, gents, and kiddos, to today's campfire discussion. So, uh, we've been doing a little bit of a uh, kind of like a builders series of podcasts here. Episode thirty-three was uh, building one hundred and one rock crawlers. So, um, you know, we have all these other ideas too. We want to cover. You know, what? How would you build a vehicle? Would you build a rock crawler any differently if you're a rock landing? Um, how would you build a vehicle differently to, to go mudding? Would you build different vehicle differently for dunes? Um, you know, uh, desert racing, uh, overlanding, all sorts of different, all sorts of different types of things. Different sorts of no sorts of. I said it right. Don't look at me. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Um, so uh, today's episode, if you have not noticed by the title. And why we have Mr. NorCal Overlanding, um, the overlander of NorCal, Mr. Truck Norris, Mike here with us today. We're going to go over overlanding. So uh, what all do you want to do to your vehicle? What makes overlanding so fun and exciting? Um, what's the point of it? Because I still don't understand it. But uh, no. <laughs> uh, there's going to be I shots promise. fired there's in this episode. Be- <laughs> and I think they've already gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Mike's a really cool guy. Uh, he's been actually helping me a lot on the Morflate side of things, uh, getting people interested in that, spreading the good love of Morflates around um, the overlanding and social media scene in general. He's, he's big on social media. So uh, Mike, uh, say hi to all the peeps out there. What's going on, Snail Trail fan? (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be here. I got a a quick tour of the Snail Trail compound, and it's a sight to behold, but happy to be here, uh, ready to fire some shots off for these guys. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, Mike also does voice impressions of Barry Manilow in his off time, so (laughs) just in case any of the ladies out there were interested. Um, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, So yeah, Mike, what do you drive? So I drive a 2016 Tacoma, or in a, mm-hmm. in overland world or off road world, turd gen because it probably has the worst engine, <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of issues with it. But but besides that, no, it's been it's been a great truck, a great mm-hmm. platform to kind of start on, and it's uh, ever changing in the overland world, I guess you could call it. So yeah, it is definitely over ever changing. So it started life as uh, a limited, correct? Correct. So the truck. Mm-hmm. So um, a little background on it. Um, when I was younger, my uncle wheeled a lot. So he was in Rubicon, Slick Rock. He did Moab. He brought me as a kid, and I never really understood. I, I never really understood it until um, I got a little bit older and I got more interested in it. But I ended up buying the Tacoma to actually go snowboarding all the time. Nice. So you know, I, I good built, option for that. Right, right. And I, I, I built it. You know, put thirty threes on it, whatever you want to call it. Went on a couple of snow runs, wheeling a couple times, and it was a fun truck. And then I got on the internet, and uh oh. Right, right. I got on. Uh, you know, I started, you know, social media, Instagram kind of blew up with some stuff and I just kind of like looked at it on, on my own and a lot of people were building trucks and I was like, oh, cool. You know, they're, they're, they're making a lot of, uh, aftermarket support for, for these Tacomas. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Cause like I said, my, my only, uh, exposure to it is when I was younger mm-hmm. and through college and stuff, it's not like I had money. So I drove around Honda all day till I started working and then <laughs> bought the Tacoma. But, um, Long story short, the truck is not even what I imagined it was going to look like, uh, you know, what it is now. And it's pretty capable to kind of kind of do the whole overlanding thing. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's been a process. Um, a lot of fun things. You find out what you need and what you don't need every time you go out. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's been, it's been a fun build and, and, and it's uh, allowed me to meet a lot of cool people over, over the last couple of years. So. Nice. Definitely. So, how's the truck sit now? So, um, 
when I first got it, she was bone stock. And uh, me and a buddy, Justin, we actually just bought a cheap three-inch suspension lift at four-wheel parts. It was Pro Comp. Uh-huh. We spent like seven hours and 24 beers in his garage. And <laughs> we put it on and, you know, it, it was great for what I needed in the beginning. And um, I got invited to a Tacoma World Run, I want to say in 2017, to do Met mm-hmm. or Mormon Emigrant Trail. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't, I think was I, there Was there snow on it or was oh, it just to go up and for a day trip to drive through Met? It was a day trip. But it was a 14-hour day trip because that's how unprepared I was. Um, it, nice. it, 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 we had a group of 12, but once we got there, it was, you know, like a line of people doing met that day because it snowed the day before and everybody uh, went Oh, up. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it gets busy up there. I had a six-pack of water, beef jerky, and a Subway sandwich for 14 hours. <laughs> and it, somebody told me, hey, it's like a five-hour trip. You'll be, you'll be back. But it wasn't. Um, so, quickly, I found out that. Um, I didn't have any recovery stuff. I didn't have anything I needed. My, um, you had seat heaters though. I do. Seat <laughs> heaters, leather, and their sat- I had my seat. My my seat heaters were great. Um, but we were stuck on the trail for for over fourteen hours because, um, some much more equipped Jeep guys did a big turnaround in this open section mm-hmm. and just mushed, just mushed the and snow. tore it all up. So, and turnaround they- section. Do you mean donuts? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you know, we we quickly we quickly found out that we were we were stuck there all night. Like we got there at seven a.m. and we didn't get out. We didn't get to the Taco Bell on um what's highway the, what's 50. the exit highway fifty right yeah. there, uh, Sly Park right. till ten thirty p.m. Whoa. Nice. And everybody went into Taco Bell and just it was you know glorious. But um, <laughs> so after that, looking for sponsors by the way, Taco yeah. Bell, yeah, right, right. <laughs> hey Taco Bell. But um, that that trip was eye-opening to me because I was able to see everybody's builds, right? So, there was Land Cruisers with us, Tacos, um, Foreigners, all generations. The Jeeps were out there. Some giant coal rolling F-250s were out there. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I got to talk to some of the guys and see their builds. And that's what kind of opened up my curiosity on what I can put on the truck. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of Google searches later and four years later, the truck is <laughs> probably way overbuilt for what I need it for. But, um, uh-huh. you know, it's it's been working out for me and um it's taken me to a lot of cool places and i could have never imagined it being here now Mm -hmm. you know four years ago yeah right so um now i you know the the truck sits and we can talk about what's on it um king suspension all around my -hmm. shocks are relocated my um even though my axle's bent it's trust (laughs) um it's on 35s armor all around what size lift so I think it's just at three, three and a half inches. I cut okay. a lot of um on the on the IFS trucks there's a lot of issues with rubbing on anything bigger than a thirty three. So a lot right, of guys yeah. end up cutting out a lot of the plastic, the fenders to kind of get that to fit, you know, you body mounts. Body mounts yeah. all the time, right? I mean ever since the whole overlanding phenomenon, like shops are just making <laughs> money off of body mount shops every day because everyone's yeah. trying to fit, you know, thirty two and a halfs on their truck. But um Fully armored all around. My electronics inside. Um, I, you know, I've I've spot to control my lights, drawers for Mobile Strong, fridge for beer. Um, the the my favorite thing about the truck right now is probably my Camp King um, canopy from Australia. I think I might be one of ten guys in the U.S. that has it right now. But yeah, that thing's rad. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. So it's a aluminum CAD design. It has uh going. I guess you can call them going doors or yeah. butterfly doors on the side. Um, it only weighs like 170 pounds. Wow. Jeez. Right. So when I was, um, the, the evolution of the truck, you know, it, 
just was a truck before I had stuff in totes. I had a, you know, ground tent. I still have a ground tent now, but everything was in totes. And I kind of realized like, oh man, after the trip, everything's dusted out. I can't find anything. And I hate jumping out of the back of my truck. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, you know, you put bed bars on the truck or a bed cage to get your rooftop tent up there. And mm-hmm. I did that phase for a little bit, but ultimately I wanted to keep my gear out of dust for the most part. Sure. Yeah. So when I was shopping for, uh, campers, I looked at ARE's Lear's. The price point from that to getting something overseas that was made out of aluminum mm-hmm. was, you know, it, the, the price wasn't far off. So, I was like, okay, let me just save some more money and um, I'll, I'll get that, um, um, the camper I have now. So, mm-hmm. Peter Sloop was one of the first guys that was bringing in Camp King into the United States because they're out of Australia. And I, I talked to him and he said, hey, we have a shipment in six months if you want the uh, the camper. So, put my deposit down it came and the way they built it was it was off of a of a Toyota Hilux so there's a uh, slight changes in it not everything fits perfect but actually looks really good once you get it lined up mm-hmm. um coolest thing is i can open the side to reach for stuff i don't have to like open the right. tailgate yeah that's the really nice part about that <laughs> you know open my swing out so a lot of creature comforts in the camper um so i wanted to get a camper because um i wanted to get away from well, maybe because I'm just really lazy, and even though rooftop <laughs> tents only take like five minutes to deploy, I didn't want to deploy it anymore. I was just like, <laughs> well, I'll deploy it. I have to open my cab. I have to bring the sleeping bag up there. I have to bring my stuff up there. If you need a change mm-hmm. and you need cover and you're doing it in your tent, you have to do it in the tent. Mm-hmm. If you drink too much beer the night before and you have to take a piss, you have to come <laughs> down the tent. Yep. The ladder's super cold. <laughs> and people are like, well, Gatorade bottle. And I'm like, well, what if I have to go twice? And yeah. I, have one, I want to build Gatorade a funnel. Bottle. Right, yeah. Remember you tell me that, a funnel. Build a glory hole into the, the side of the tent. Well, there kind of already is one in a way because where the hinges go, at least on mine, it's open. It, it opens in that oh. area with a little. So you could, if you had a little funnel and a, uh-huh. a hose that you could right. just drape down to the ground. Nice. Um, onto, yeah, so- onto your neighbor's brakes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or get it down onto their radiator. Right. <laughs> go to the next morning. Jeez. Why does it smell like that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I initially I wanted to sleep in it and, and I took it out to Coyote Flats and I slept in the back, but when you wake How up- How do you it, fit? I mean, uh, well, you have I'm, a short bed, right? So, I have a short bed. And He's a short I'm, dude, man. I'm a short guy, yeah. <laughs> I'm not- but I'm Still, short, you're not 5'1". <laughs> so, yeah, no. So, I'm I'm probably like 5'7", with shoes on and and that's being, you know, generous. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the and toes. I, you know, the first night I curled up and I was like, all right, this is fine. But, you know, after a while, your back hurts and you're like, all right, I need to stretch out. So, I was in it diagonally. Okay. So, my feet were like, my head was like at the tailgate. My feet were, you know, in the little uh, wheel well. You're right. And, you know, that worked out. But um, I slept, I, I did that setup twice, but there's a lot of condensation that happens within mm-hmm. the camper itself. How interesting. Sure. Right. Well, especially well, if you're breathing, breathing in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah when you're breathing yeah. in there. So, you know, you have to crack a window Same open. with a tent. Right, right. So. so, I did that, but then I realized after... I put all my totes of all my my stuff in the back and then I'd have to take it out to sleep and then I'd have to set it up and put right. the totes back in. It's just as worse for wear than moving your right. stuff up to right. a rooftop. So, I was like, okay, this is just as bad. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, let me do the the cliche overland thing and let me let me put some drawers in the truck. So, Mobile Strong out of Wisconsin, they're actually Stratus Industries. They they build uh, office furniture, but they actually have like a drawer division and a, I, I bought a drawer from them and that's been great. It added a little bit of weight to the truck, but now I can open it up and I have my 
you know, my kitchen section and then mm-hmm. I have everything else like tools, more flate, mm-hmm. um, my Covea gear, all my camping gears in there. So that's great. Put the, put the fridge on there and then I was like, cool. Oh, wait, now I don't have anywhere to sleep. <laughs> so, um, I, I ground tent it now and I, I like it because it doesn't take that peasant. much longer to, to You're do. You're such a peasant to ground tent it. <laughs> right, right. But it's, but it's it made out of, really. it's made out of duck canvas. So it's actually really nice. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, shout out spring bar, but, um, <laughs> So I, I'm in a I'm in a regular tent now, and I like it because one I can walk in and out. Mm-hmm. I can change in there. You can put your toilet in there because it's big enough. You don't have to because you know a lot of guys with rooftop tents still have to put up their toilet tent, and it's just like yeah. well, let, yeah. what what's the least amount of steps I have to do to get ready for camp? Yeah, um, and it's been and that's where my truck is now. It's a li- I mean like uh, the very basic things. Overlanding is just camping, except now people are building trucks to go do it. You can. You can take a Volkswagen van or I've seen Civics mm-hmm. and Camrys on certain places. I'm like, wait, how did you get here? Uh-huh. But, <laughs> I think um, I told a story a while ago how I took a bunch of guys off-roading and we went down on this trail, dirt trail, went all the way out there. And then went, as right as we were pulling into the campground, a Prius, uh, yeah, it was a Prius pulled up right behind us and we're like, Dude, this Prius just did the same trail we did. Like, <laughs> I don't right. feel like I did anything now. And, and we are down. And, 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 <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, like, it's it's ever-evolving. Um, you know, single-day trips, it's it's pretty easy. Multiple-day trips, you kind of find out what you're deficient in or, or don't have enough of. So, um, as, as it stands, that's where, where the truck is now. And it's been a expensive but fun build <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice. definitely it's so what, a rad looking truck that's it is for sure. it's thank a you, badass looking truck for sure um so what would you say is the goal of overlanding then like what what defines overlanding from camping or car camping or um just kind of off-roading and and tent camping or what well how would you define uh, f- it full disclosure absolutely nothing absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um well, it over, overlanding is a multi-day ex- event in a way right. that is camping, like sort of, uh, as you're moving along for multiple days, right? It's right. not like a weekend getaway. Right. Well, from maybe this is just me like why am I through, defending? <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is just me looking through the internet or whatever the case is, but uh-huh. I think the definition was vehicle-based travel, but that's technically the definition of a. So I guess <laughs> it would be uh, vehicle based or vehicle outfitted camping because technically you're camping out of your truck or your car or whatever okay. the case is. So I guess that would be the definition of, I guess, overlanding in, in, in my perspective is vehicle based travel. Um, okay. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Right. I think that's because we've talked about how we're noticing a, a difference in a split in crowds out on rock crawling trails right. where there's definitely people that like to rock crawl and they're just right. out there in uh, a beat up truck that just has a cage, no extra supplies or anything. They're just out there to run that obstacle for that day right, right. and see what they can do on that obstacle. And then there's us that we like to travel through the trail and get to a destination or location. Right. But we just like to go through really difficult trails right. to do it. Right. So right. that's where we, mm-hmm. we've kind of, we heard the term rock landing and that's kind of where that's come from. Um, so it, it makes sense that there's going to be some kind of, how do you discern overlanding from just getting in your Honda Civic or your Prius and going yeah, camping right. for a weekend. I bet so. there's a, you know, 
in the difference between your Prius and your Honda Civic or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and going out and doing those things. So I would, you know, that's camping in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like we're driving the car to a campsite, yeah. you know, where overlanding is in an essence, they're, they're doing a trail. They're yeah. going out, you know, a lot of times they're trying to get from point A to point B by not hitting roads. Yeah. You that's know, true. by doing right. things <laughs> off roading and then mm-hmm. trying to, you know, like doing the TAT, the Trans America Trail, mm-hmm. you know, that's an overlanding event. Yeah. You know, um, and that's, you know, going from the West Coast to the East Coast or vice versa, all off road. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, there's, it's not, you know, you're not weekend events. It's not just a, you know, go out and it's avoiding roads in a way and trying to find the back country and learn about this country. Fair. Very yeah, fair. fair. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great point because I you know I've done Death Valley as a tourist and then I did it last year as a, a quote unquote overlander camper whatever you want to call it and I would have never seen parts of Death Valley if I didn't have a basic four wheel drive truck or yeah. right, wanted to do that right right yeah. wanted to get off the road get Correct. off the pavement and be, and be willing to get off the road and away from society and get away from people for mm. four or five days right in order right. to get out to those places to see them so right yeah. Um, cool. So then when you're building an overland rig, obviously, you know, we've got, you know, ride comfort to think about creature comforts because you're typically traveling further distances. Right. Um, you need to have sustainable, I don't want to say resources, but sustainability in your vehicle. Right. So you need to be able to live to some extent using your vehicle as your main source of, of shelter or, uh, food production, whatever right. it is, um, to, to live for however many days you're going to be gone at a time. Um, it needs to be capable enough to get out away from roads and get off road and, and get out and do these things. So, um, that's why we kind of wanted to bring you here. We have a r- good rough idea mm-hmm. of what, how we would kind of build an overlanding vehicle, but, um, to have somebody close by that can come in and say, no, this is, this is, you know, I love doing this stuff. This is how I've built my rig. Here's what I've done that's worked. Here's what I've done that hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, talk about, you know, how to kind of quote unquote properly set up or what things you want to look for when looking to set up an overlanding rig. Right. So, and you've been to, <clears throat> even then you've been to a few of the overland expos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I went last year and, and it's very, you know, they got a lot of cool stuff out there. I mean, they've got um, military trucks, they've mm-hmm. got, you know, Unimogs, they've got uh-huh. cars of trucks I've never even seen. They had that new electric truck that was out there. The Ravine, called the Ravine. Yeah, yeah, that was out there. So it was it was cool to see how it um, how overlanding is even affecting these vehicles because now it's kind of it used to be kind of a smaller concentration of people, but mm-hmm. uh, going to Expo West, you're like, oh wow, people really people really digging this for for mm-hmm. you know what it is, um, right? Yeah, it's being made more and more and more accessible, which is really cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it's bringing way more people into the off road industry, right? Um, and it's really kind of cool to see the impact that that's having on the entire industry. It doesn't affect just the overlanding segment; it, it is affecting the entire industry, right? Um, which is really cool to see and kind of see that impact. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So let's start and let's just say. Um, you know, we have we have kind of a build list of stuff that you might want to take a look at or consider when um, looking at trying to put together, build an overlanding rig. Um, what kind of like vehicle style, I should say cab style, um, would one typically want to look for in, a, in an overlanding yeah, or rig? Or avoid. 
Or avoid. Like or avoid. what kind of, yeah, body right. styles maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing would be the number of passengers you would average on a trip, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, 98% of the time it's like me and my dog. Yeah. And that, does, I mean, obviously it doesn't take that much space, but the... Could be a big dog. Could right, be. <laughs> right. Could be a big dog. But um, I guess you could say the two front runners for overlanding vehicles would be the Tacoma and the Foreigner. Right, yeah. I mean, we, I think that's a fair mm-hmm. that's a sure. fair shot at it. Sounds mm-hmm. good for this Toyota podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, you know, you, you've got uh, Jeeps and stuff like that too. But well, the Gladiator is going to make a splash for sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, that, that thing looks pretty mean. Makes mm-hmm. me kind of want to switch, but probably not because I know nothing about it. But um, <laughs> um, I guess it would depend on how many people you bring. Some people have families, and it's usually like a wife and a kid, and mm-hmm. you have to kind of gear up for for that many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I could change it all over again, I would have a bigger bed. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because Do the, the extended bed? The Well, the, the funny thing is the long bed to the regular short bed, I think the difference is like 11 inches or something. Yeah, like it's that. almost so a foot. It's yeah. a foot. I mean, it's not that crazy of a thing. Longer wheelbase, I think it's like a 13-inch different on the wheelbase, mm-hmm. but you're just able to bring more stuff with you. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, first going out and I think I like brought the whole house, like kitchen sink <laughs> and everything. And we were. You mean the second time? Because the first time you went out was snow. Yeah, <laughs> the, fir- the first time was bad, but the the, the first time you know. Yeah, he camped. learned a lot, so he just brought, <laughs> brought everything. <laughs> right. I uh, I overpacked the first couple times. I you know I brought too much stuff. There was totes I didn't even go into during camp. Stuff I didn't even use. I was like, why did I bring seven different pots? <laughs> what was I thinking? I was going to go cook today. You know. Um, and now I'm back to just oh well. Here's my. Here's my hot water and my mountain house because I'm too lazy to clean anything. So, um, but yeah. I, but I would I would say depending on the amount of people that mm-hmm. you average on your trip would um, decide what vehicle you would pick. So you're really you're really looking at uh, passenger space and right. cargo space, usable cargo space kind of thing. Correct. Um, are you a big fan of like roof racks and putting stuff up on your roof up high for overlanding or? Um, I like to put smaller. So, in I have the two Plano boxes in mind, which I think I'm going to take mm-hmm. off because I realize that that's what's making noise when I'm driving down the road. But <laughs> um, I there's certain items. I mean, a lot of roof racks are rated for the top of the Tacoma's cab, for, you know, for a couple hundred pounds or whatever the case may be. But usually smaller storages are, can go up there, whether mm-hmm. you're carrying extra tie rods or you're carrying recovery equipment and you just want easy access. Mm-hmm. I think the roof rack is a great place. Or that's where you can put your accessories like max tracks or your high lift or whatever extra uh-huh. stuff you technically don't always have to get to mm-hmm. but have to bring with you anyway okay um because that's what's usually if if i go on long enough trips and i know i might mess something up it's a tie rod an, <laughs> yeah. extra, an extra cv <laughs> everything yeah. wrong with ifs toyota right? yeah pretty much anything wrong with ifs period it's yeah. A- <laughs> yeah so ifs parts in there um and then i do have simple things like breaker bars and um a couple uh can't get off my tongue. It's uh, tools and tools. things like that that yeah. just yeah. sit up on top. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that I can access easily, but I don't have to empty my whole truck to get to. And you don't really need it a lot, so you're right. not having to get up there quite a bo- uh, mm-hmm. often. Okay. What about, um, I mean, how about looking at ground clearance or approach and departure angles or four, two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive and things of that nature? I mean, are those, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to, you know, for two wheel drive, four wheel drive, it's going to be like, what type of person are you? How do you want to go off roading? <laughs> right, you know, right, things of that nature. Um, but are you gonna? Do you take into account things like you know, breakover angles and things like that, or is it? 
yeah, not so really necessary. What, what's crazy about it is when we first started doing it and, you know, I had kink suspension and it was pretty decent and I had decent approach and departure angles. The crazy part is we brought a couple of our friends out that had stock Tacomas, mm-hmm. stock foreigners, mm-hmm. and they did the same thing. You know, they, uh, depending on, like, even if you're a beginner or a rookie, there's a lot of, a lot of different trails that's pretty easy. Like, if you can mm-hmm. drive, you can, you can, you can drive, right? <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of places that we've done are easily accessible with stock 4x4 Tacomas or foreigners. Like, you could really do it if you just take your time and, you know, you have a good spotter and you're patient and, mm-hmm. you know, not to, throttle out in the wrong places um i honestly think the tacomas off the lot can do and this is a random number i'm making up in my head but most maybe 40 <laughs> percent yeah. of the trails around here obviously there's you can't rock crawl with it but sure mm-hmm. um if you're a decent driver you there's no reason why you can't do most of it a lot yeah. and, and I, that's the one thing about overlanding that um i've kind of noticed or or just in trails in general people don't even want to try it till they're like trucks built and I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. you don't. Yeah, it's literally like a cross track could do, could do it. Just come out with us, you know. Yeah. Sure. You don't need you know fancy anything to make it out here. Just come out. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think I would at least because I have a right. third gen Tacoma, right? And so one of the things that bothers me is the steps. On the, the the tube steps. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, yeah, or the, I have the little drop down ones, right, right? You know, and those just kill my any breakover angle, and they're the lowest hanging fruit on my truck. And you know, it's right. like so if if I, you have a vehicle like that, I'm, you know, first things that got to go are those steps. Some maybe the front mud flaps, and then you got to put some <laughs> you know rock sliders on and um, skid plates underneath, and then like you know, and then being bone stock, you can still then you go a lot of places. You're not going to do any damage. Oh, agree. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember I, I removed those tube steps and I like walked back from my truck and I was like, oh my God, all the clearance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Um, no, yeah. I, uh, I I think for for overlanding in a sense and I've gone out with a lot of people that have brought stock trucks. doesn't matter if they're brand new or older. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can do it. If, mm-hmm. if four, like four by four is really necessary though because there's just certain places where it's just it's just yeah. easier to flip a switch than, yeah. oh, maybe I'll make it. Maybe I have to stack rocks because I'm two-wheel drive. But right. I think that is absolutely necessary if you're at least trying to do the most you can with your with your truck. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, to um, to that respect, I mean, two-wheel drive with it, a locker can go a lot of places. Yeah. But it's just, at that point, it's just safer to have four-wheel drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, so, it's so much easier. <laughs> so much easier. Cool. Nice. So, how about, I mean, besides what other platforms out there? I mean, there's, I know that you can almost overland anything in an right. essence, but right. is there, um, you know, are there some, did you see any crazy things when you're at Overland Expo West, you know, this last year? Or yeah, did you see actually, something you're like, I would have never thought to overland that? You know, you know, it's funny. So, at Overland Expo West, you've got like Hellcat Jeeps and Unimogs sure. and LS swap <laughs> random stuff and things on 40s. Uh-huh. But the one thing I can remember that I can tell you that was really fascinating was a lifted Honda Odyssey, or I think it was a Toyota Sienna. But a company oh, nice. makes a company makes lift kits for like mom vans, like soccer mom vans. <laughs> oh, sweet! And those would be great for landing in. <laughs> right. Well, well, think about those old Toyotas that had four, the old vans that had uh-huh. four wheel drive. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Those things are sick. Yeah. Um, I think some of the Toyota Previas, the really old ones, yeah, are, 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 yep. some of them are supercharged too. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> That's my uh, JDM side coming out. But the, uh, there was a company, I, I can't remember what they were called, but they made lift kits for four-wheel drive vans. And the, the 
thing about it was, well, technically, you just open a sliding door and you can sleep in your in your van for the mm-hmm. night. Yeah. There, you know, there's plenty of space. You have plenty of yeah, space. Yeah, but where would stuff. you go pee? You just, you just open it. <laughs> just open, <laughs> the open the door, door and stand there. And stand there, yeah. So, that was one of the one of the, the vehicles rainbow. that... Right. That was one of the vehicles that I remember the best. Wow. People expect, like, oh, you didn't see the Raptor on 40s now, the Toyota Sienna van on <laughs> lifted 31s is pretty cool. Um, I can remember that and then that electric truck, which you guys know the name the of. The Ravine, yeah. The Ravine. Um, and I, that's really what I remember. Even sure. It wasn't that long ago. But. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of, you know, what you're going to get out of your vehicle you know, is you've got to start with a good platform if you're going to be overlanding. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but in a way, you know, depending on what you want to do, you can kind of overland a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you can overland all kinds of different vehicles. You could throw a rooftop tent on the top of a Civic, you yeah. know, and yeah. you, yeah. Can, you know, <laughs> you could be your, an overlander that lives out of a trunk, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why I think it's so appealing to people is because you can... What, what's the word or what's the phrase everyone's saying? Like, you you know, it doesn't matter what you drive, right? But yeah. some, sometimes it does. But um, Oh, we'll still judge you. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, why it appeals to so many people is if it's you can it's relatively... It's available to It's available. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, like some nobody's going to rock crawl. Oh, yeah, my Prius will make it up this. Mm-hmm. But they can go down a fire road with a Prius. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or any other car that we can put in that, that, in that section. So mm-hmm. I think that's why it's been so popular is because it appeals to Subaru guys, Jeep guys, Toyota guys, obviously mm-hmm. Nissan guys. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, you can do it in anything, pretty much anything, any, any of the trucks out there, Chevy, Dodge, Fords, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. just Fords need to have good tow companies to work with. So, um, <laughs> Hey now, what about- <laughs> no, I tell you, I've, I say that, but um, one of the coolest overlanding builds that I've seen so far has been CJ um, that just yep. did the, the Gaia map episode on Wheeling Wine and Whiskey. He has an old, was it early excursion. 2000s, seven liter diesel excursion, Ooh. which is fucking awesome. <laughs> on 35s or 37s? 35s, yeah. yeah. So 35s, um, and it's, it's uh, like a, a really nice gallon gas tank or something yeah. like that. Yeah, something yeah. stupid. So he's got that thing all set up for overlanding and um, another one of his passions. So um, when it comes to engines, speaking of a seven liter diesel, is there anything mm-hmm. that you typically want to try and stay away from in engines? Or like, are you looking for more power? Are you looking for gas mileage and efficiency? Are you looking for just an engine that's not going to give you troubles? Right. So that's kind of, uh, I guess that would be subjective in my opinion because. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about overlanding is... Yeah, but you're on the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast, <laughs> so you, this is God right. speaking for the most part. Well, so, I, 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 it's kind of weird because the thing about overlanding is it, it brings you to really like faraway places. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, like when I went to Moab, I think it cost me almost like $1,200 worth of gas. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, man, if I didn't put these 35s on my truck, all this armor... All this other stuff. It would have, you know, cost me less. Or if I did it in a cross trek, it might have done, you know, cost mm-hmm. me less to get there. But um, you wouldn't have looked as cool, though. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that that's what the, you know, what you're depending on is is how are you doing it? Because a lot of people don't leave California. There's so much cool things you can do in California. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, bothers to leave it. You can. There's so many trails in Northern California that I don't think if you had 30 years to do it, you'd probably be able to hit, hit each one. I doubt it. Right. Yeah. 
There's, there's, I, I often people kind of look at me like, why do you like living in California? I'm like, because of everything that you can do in California. Yeah. Um, really, Northern California is, is really the off-roading mecca of the United States. Agreed. Um, Moab and Colorado come in close seconds, in my opinion. Um, but then those are gorgeous, gorgeous areas. But they're, I think, in terms of volume of choices and everything, really, you can't really beat NorCal. And yeah. that, that shows when you look at how many off-roading clubs Um, um, uh, car clubs, overlanding clubs, off-roading clubs in general, four by four rock crawlers, whatever you want to do. Um, there's tons of them. There's more in Northern California than any other place in the country. So, um, yeah, lots of things. And so if if you're, you know, say it is somebody in Northern California and they want to go and get a rig for overlanding in California, Mm -hmm. would you tell them to then go, you know, don't worry as much about fuel efficiency and just kind of, well, yeah, that and uh, let me piggyback mm-hmm. on that. Some of mm-hmm. the, you know, when you look at a vehicle like the Tacoma right. or a Jeep, you have multiple options of engines in those, mm-hmm. right? And so, are you looking at a four-cylinder, six-cylinder V8? Like, how are you how are you making these determinations? So, I have a couple of buddies with, with a 2.7 uh, four-cylinder and their mm-hmm. Tacomas, and obviously, they're getting like 25 miles a gallon in them. And yeah. um, I think at the very end of the day, I'd rather, if I'm on an obstacle... Where you know my twelve one compression ratio isn't gonna <laughs> get me over that. Um, I think I'd opt for the V six. Okay. Because just I mean, better to have the power than not have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in in my opinion, uh, it, for the pla- for how you're gonna build your truck determines if what engine you're gonna get or what engine you need or what truck you're gonna pick. Okay. Right. Because you're and not especially because you guys add a lot of weight. Right. Mm-hmm. You're you're not gonna add all that extra stuff to be on a four cylinder because <laughs> then that's yeah. not gonna work. Um. Regearing my truck was probably the best thing I ever did because it was a slug. Mm-hmm. Um, just even going up to Sierra to go snowboard, I was like, "All right, what gear do you want to be in?" Yeah, from like <laughs> Placerville to Kybirds, I was like, "All right, man, like what, what gear? What gear nice. is pick one? Pick yeah. one here, buddy." I, I thought I had six gears, um, but um, I, I think if you can have more power, the better. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to put it to the ground still anyway. But what gearing did you go with? Five two nine. Did you nice. went five twenty nine? Okay. Well. Um, I guess I'm not a scientist on the engine, but the three five Atkinson cycle, it likes to keep the valves as open as long as possible to get maximum compression. Okay. And that's why the three five and the third gens only like three thousand RPM and up. There's uh, uh, our trucks have no guts in the, the first in the couple low end, low yeah. end. Aren't isn't I mean, don't our trucks our third gens aren't they uh um a variable valve timing? Right. VVTs. Right. So don't they have uh when you hit higher RPMs, doesn't the uh timing or the valves change? Right. So it's dual port injection. I think yeah. it's fuel injected and port injected. I, I could be wrong, but according to Toyota, depending on where you are on the RPMs or where you are on the highway, it turns them on and off, depending on what you need. Right. Hmm. So obviously I think if you're accelerating, both are open, they're firing at the same time. Mm-hmm. But if you're cruising, it's probably the more efficient of the two, which is which whichever one it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the engine was great when my truck was stock. Yeah. I was you know <laughs> on the V six. I love mine. Yeah, stock truck. <laughs> I was getting on stock, and like, it does like you have a good power band from like one to two, and then it lags, and from like two to three, but then it just jumps at right. three to four. It sounds like it's dying, but it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it, but it scoots like. 
Right. And the, that's the whole thing. It has this, uh, you know, like it'll start changing the valves at that point, And that's when you get that boost. Right. And for all you Honda people out there, it's VTEC. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> and I think that was the major issue when the third gen came out is everybody was like, well, we want the 4.0 back. The 4.0 is a better engine. It's a bigger engine. True. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, Toyota built it for the EPA stuff. They built it to yeah. get better gas mileage. They built it to, you know, n- number wise, it's better on paper. But mm-hmm. it, it is missing low end if you really want it that bad, I guess. Yeah. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, so you really the what you're the way that I'm hearing this is mm-hmm. that you are choo- you like more horsepower, a slightly bigger engine over the gas mileage thing, uh, having better gas mileage because you're adding extra weight and you w- there's o- times when you're going to need that extra horsepower to get over obstacles. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, going into it, gas mileage is always like a big thing. You know, like a lot of newer people in the industry are like, well, what tires are you running? What gas mileage are you getting? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that could be very important to some people and some guys might not care. I learned to stop caring <laughs> after <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a while. I don't even look at the miles per gallon anymore because it's really off on mine. Uh-huh. You know, like it says, oh, you have 375 miles, but I don't think I've cracked 250 miles on a tank <laughs> since the truck's been built like that. So. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if you're a consumer, if you're a consumer and you're looking for better gas mileage, but you want to overland, um, you know, you'd really have to do your research because once you put, you know, once you envision your vehicle down the road with all the stuff you want on it, you know, that, that sticker with, you know, 25 city, 30 highway might be mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. yeah. So that's something people would have to do their, um, research on. And ultimately, if you're going to get a truck. Miles per gallon, <laughs> you know, to consider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're if you're getting above fifteen miles per gallon, I think you're winning. Yeah, so cool. Um, so and let's regearing helps with that. It bring, helps regearing helps everything back yeah. up to where it sh- more right. or less should be. Right. You mm-hmm. know, you there's like we've talked about this on a previous podcast about gearing. You know, there's mathematical formulas that can tell you where you started and where what gears you should be at. Right. And then in theory. When you add those gears and if you were stock, you know, or like lifted with bigger tires, you would get back to that stock ratio and it'll feel more like the truck that you bought right, right off the lot. And, and that helps bring the gas mileage up, helps bring your power up, your speed up and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the truck, even with all the added weight now and and, and the Riga really helped a lot. She's really peppy. I can like dodge cars if i have to i mean when we were coming down you can uh, jump it in the dunes apparently uh, <laughs> not talk about that but uh there's a uh, when we were driving when before i was re-geared we drove back from moab on 80 from mm-hmm. salt lake all the way to reno okay and me and my buddy james both super built trucks but the last thing we decided to do was re-gear right yeah and we couldn't like Big rigs were passing us because we were at 65 <laughs> because that was yeah. like the place our engine was the happiest. Like, it, right. you know, that was okay at the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once they figured out that the third gen liked 529s, it, you know, that was probably the best. Open the floodgates. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's, you know, yeah. jumping to 529s now because it's mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's, it's a great modification to kind of get your yeah. truck back to where it needs to be. Right. Cool. On 35s. On 35s. Yeah. Right. So would if you're you... at 33s, you're not going to be at 529s. There, there's a big thread on Tacoma World on 488 uh-huh. versus 529. Um, uh-huh. Ultimately, the way our engines are in the third gen, 529 is uh, the unanimous winner for what gear you're supposed to get. But I know a lot of pre-runner guys, desert guys that will go 488 because they want a little bit more top speed. Oh, yeah. 
So it really depends on on how you're building your truck. Um, okay, right, but it also depends yeah. on what tire size you have. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. Right, that's correct. what I was correct. saying. Is that if you're going 33s, you probably don't want five two nines. Right, right. You know, you're going to go down to a four fifty four eighty eights or four fifty sixes or something along those lines. Right. So let's talk about tire size real quick, um, because. I, I love tires. I'm a huge fan of tires. Um, and I know that you go through tires a lot. Nope, <laughs> not, I, not, not necessarily because you wear them out, just because you have a problem. <laughs> I, I am a tire whore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some, guys, some guys love going through wheels. I just love new tread. Have you ever walked into America's Tire and just smelled like oh, yeah. uh-huh. the tires? Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. So once you once your tires like lose PB that smell, you get better. new ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, once the little nubs are gone on the side, you're like, oh, oh, oh this is time I'm done with it. All those nipples it. are gone. Over it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so when you put what what would be the the optimum tire size for overlanding? Mm-hmm. Like, is there an optimum tire size that people kind of want to plan to try and get to, or? Um, is there a tire size that if you have, you should just be like, no, don't even try it yet. Um. Um, so like, on, is there a minimum and maybe a maximum that you'd want to kind of somewhere be in that range? If, if I was over, I mean, I mean, I am overlanding, just kidding. <laughs> um, for, for people that, um, I think are looking to get it, I uh-huh. no less than a 33, no more than a 35. Okay. I mean, yeah, stuff looks really cool on 37s, but have you ever tried to drive 400 miles on <laughs> yeah. a 37? I'm going to be doing we that have. later this month. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's just, but it's not easy. It's, it's not bad. fun. It's, yeah, it's more difficult. Yeah. Right. Um, I had, a, I had a lot of people ask me like why I haven't gone 37. I'm like, well, one, the, my steering rack might blow up. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely happy with the 35s. It fits the truck very well and it's big enough of a tire. <laughs> To where I'm, you know, I could do a lot of the obstacles with it. Um, mm-hmm. Even when I was on 33s, it was fine. Yeah. Um, but for overlanding, you're usually driving massive amount of miles. Right. And, you know, 800 to 1,000 miles on the highway versus being on the trail for 40 miles. Like, what are, you know, what's what can you live with? What, what can you live without? Yeah, sure. Right. So, I mean, you know, because I've been talking about wanting to do the TAT. And I think if I were to build Charlotte up, I would probably do, go no larger than a 33. Right, right. You know, just because I'm going to be driving both ways across the nation, one of them on pavement, one of them on dirt, you know, and I'm going to be concerned with um You can try and do the gallon. cannonball run on your way back? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be hella fun. Um, you know, and so I'm concerned with miles per gallon and I'm concerned with... Um, then it comes down to traction. So what are we looking at here for traction wise? Cause there's all different types of tires, you know, but I think the two main ones in, in the category that we're looking at are all train tires and mud train tires. Um, is there a favored difference here? Um, so I've, I've ran both, um, earlier when I, when I had the truck earlier, I had, uh, 33 mud trains, uh, pro comp MT2s. I think they were. And, um, for the mud trains, they were great because uh, they're just better overall when you're off-roading. Um, mm-hmm. It's stickier compound. It's a softer compound. It hugs rocks a little better. You know, all trains a little bit harder. It, the grooves aren't as big. But on the highway, and I, I guess in terms of longevity, you're going to get twice as much life from an all-train than you are from uh, a mud train. Sure. Um, and obviously, mud trains look way cooler than than most than, than most all-trains, even though all-trains have come a long way. And now they have hybrid tires um mm-hmm. i run toyo rts which is technically in between a mud terrain and a uh, all-terrain yeah um and i think i think um hybrid tires or or that segment 
is what I would go for in overlanding because you do get both the best of both worlds. Okay. You get a, you, What's so my understanding of an RT uh, tire along the or a hybrid tire right. is the middle of the tire is kind of like an all terrain, but then it has big lugs on the outside of the tire. As so for, 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 for mud, mud terrain range, right? style stuff. And so when you're aired up um, and your tire crowns a little bit, you're riding on the all-terrain section. Right. And when you air down and you get the bigger footprint, now you're activating the larger lugs and getting more of the mud train style. Yeah, if you look um, if you look at the... Nitto has um, the Ridge Grapplers, uh, Toyo has the RTs, and Cooper, I think, came out with a new tire that's a hybrid tire. Um, that's the main difference on a, a true all-terrain is the side, the shoulders are wider. Mm-hmm. So when okay. you do need kind of um, more separated lugs and you're going up a rock or you're going up dirt, it does help because when you do air down that biggest surf, the bigger surface area, your outside stuff, which is gripping when you're turning and stuff, is, right. is bigger. So I think, um, and I've I've had every tire, I've had mud terrain, all terrain. Now I have, I'm on the hybrid. Um, I think they all work, but for overlanding, I'd stick on the hybrid and the all terrain side. Just because of the amount of miles you're driving for the most places you're going to go look. Right. I, or go, I, go, go hang out in it. I whatever. figured it, that as well. I was going to probably look at if if I ended up doing the TAT and not going crazy on Charlotte anytime soon, you know, I'd be probably doing an all-terrain tire just because 90% of the time it's going to be on the road, you right. know, as my daily driver, you know, doing whatever it does and then driving like, you know, on the freeway, get to go down to do the trails, right. you know, I'm still on the road and then I'm off road and, you know, unless I'm going to carry some mud trains around in the back of the truck, you know, with all my other overlanding <laughs> gear, well, the, you know. The, the funny thing is too, is on, on newer vehicles, tracks. on newer vehicles, there's a lot of sound deadening things that are on the vehicle, whether it's aerodynamics mm-hmm. or how they pad the vehicle. And it's funny because all my rock crawler friends that are on mud trains, they're like, well, we can't hear anything. And I'm like, well, you also don't have a roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there's barely anything, you know, protect, like, from the ground, from the noise it's making and your exhaust. Mm-hmm. You can't even hear the tires anyway. But for newer cars, mud terrains, especially when they, they really go down, like, you can really hear it. Some some people, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother them. But, like, for me, I can't. I can't stand it. Really? I, the hum. I it's, love the hum of mud terrains. The, the, the hum for like, <laughs> yeah, 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 for like, you know, for X amount of miles, I can't stand it. I mean, I don't know how many times like I'm on the highway, you know, and a, and, a, and like a bro dozer will come from a mile away. And you I can, can hear him. I can, and my windows are up, my music's on <laughs> and you can hear it hum from like 10 yeah. car lengths away. And uh-huh. I guess that's just, that's just my personal thing is I can't. That kind of noise over and over for so long, it, it probably it drives me nuts. Right. Mm. So but the limited comes with the subwoofer. It does. It comes with so. a small eight inch sub. Um, I'm and pretty. That I'm pretty doesn't happy. Drown it out. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, there's a lot of times where you know after a long day of wheeling and your music's up. Sometimes on the highway, I kind of just put the music off and try to listen if I broke anything on mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. mild trail I was just on. But yeah. Um, the 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 JBL package in the limited is pretty nice. Some some uh, what's the name for it? Like audio guys are like, no, you got to get different stuff. You got to get this. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with it. Have uh, you seen the new Alpine that came out? The it's Halo like a, Nine. It's a big old screen that actually extends above that little. Is it for silver space? Is it for silver, Tacomas? Uh huh. It's rad. It's aftermarket or it's on a new one? It's aftermarket. I, are you talking? About, yeah, I think you're talking about the Halo Nine. Maybe. Yeah. It's but, humongous. The the cool thing about that one is it hooks up to your like OBD, 
mm-hmm. and it gives you all of your specs like a, like an ultra gauge would. Oh, oh really? nice. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Daniel Seek Out Beauty has uh-huh. it. So the way um, it works is it hooks up to the computer and you flip a couple of the pages on there, the dashboard. Yeah. And you see your trans cooler, your trans pan. You see like how cold your the air is coming into your intake. Like everything <laughs> a, a scanner can read, yeah. mm-hmm. that can show on there. Comes up on there. That's right. Nice. Right. Sold. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a thousand bucks though, so yeah, you might I have know. to wait, wait a little bit. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So when it comes, so if you're, you, you know, we have what size tires we're looking for mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the type of tires. The type we of have an tires. idea of an engine. The end, an, an idea of, the of an engine and body, kind of what you're looking for there. So now the 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 important part, I, I would understand for the way I would view overlanding mm-hmm. is suspension. Right. So when it comes to suspension, you have lots of different options on the market going all the way back to, you know, early vehicles. Um, so you've got... Leaf springs, coils, coilovers, different kinds of shocks. Right. Um, water, and then, you know, you have, you know, uh, IFS or right. solid axles. Um, which ones do you want to kind of prioritize for overlanding? What kind of action are you looking to prioritize in your suspension right. in overlanding um, to get it to perform the way we're looking to have a vehicle perform for that? Right. So, when when I first built the truck and I was clueless on what I really needed, I, I just got your single monotube shock and mm-hmm. that was perfectly fine. But I, I did my research over time and there was three things, maybe two, that popped up that was important to me. Okay. One, um, in overlanding or just this kind of not not sport, but this <laughs> this hobby you know, hobby the hobby yeah is <laughs> like it, earlier we talked about how you are looking for the the lo- uh, road less traveled and mm-hmm. you're usually on a dirt road for X amount of miles mm-hmm. and I think it's important to kind of know a little about uh, about shocks because one depending on how long you own the truck you want something rebuildable mm-hmm. so that was the first thing I wanted to do I was like okay I want something rebuildable so. Uh, you know, Fox, Icons, Kings were like the first thing. Old Man Evo, Emu was even on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the cool thing about having like a reservoir is if you are out there driving for so long, mm-hmm. um, you know, the very worst that could happen would be shock failure. Like if it's not cooling down the oils and stuff enough in the, in yeah. the shock. So I immediately was like, all right, well, I'm going to get something with a reservoir. And back then I was like, oh, because one, it looks super cool. <laughs> and then two, um, you know, when I'm on dirt roads for so long, I won't have to worry about shock failure yeah. um, on long roads. Because, you know, people don't really recognize how much that tube is moving when they're driving. Yeah. But it's moving quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, rock crawlers can get away with just a single one because you're, you're moving a little slower. That's time to cool down. But yep. for, um, you know, the beauty about IFS trucks is you can kind of hit a dirt road and it can eat it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I went with King Suspension because... I buy once, cry once. I just was like, all right, well, <laughs> this seems to be the unanimous winner with everybody that's building stuff on the internet right now. So, okay. um, I went Kings. It's almost time to rebuild them. It's okay. been like 40,000 miles since I've had them on, but that was my decision on shocks. Um, plus, when you're adding all the weight, you have to think about um, spring, you know, spring rates or 600 mm-hmm. pounds, 700 pounds. And I have 700 pound springs now on the Kings and They've been they've been great off road, you know, air down a little nice. bit and they, they handle themselves. So nice. So you wanna um look for reservoir, rebuildable remote reservoirs mainly to help dissipate a lot of the heat you're Correct. gonna be going with. Um, do you really care a lot about down travel or up travel a lot out of your suspension or do you prioritize one over the other, or is it just kinda like, yeah, you need both of those? Um, I think um 
for down travels big and and overlanding because you are hitting a lot of dirt roads where you need that that compression in your shock mm-hmm. um up travel is just as important but on my truck i actually on the tacomas you can relocate your shock to the front a little bit uh forward on the frame okay so i think the stock shocks like nine or ten inches um if I, I was able to move mine and i was able to get a 12 inch shock nice so it in the rear of in the, the rear of the vehicle yeah. right so i have the same up travel i think i have a little bit more up travel but now i have way more down travel in the rear Nice. So the the rear floats a lot. It's it's been great, and it um you know depending on the weight that you're putting back there, your leaf springs, um you know they're very important to kind of consider what leaf springs you want mm-hmm. to go with too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's some leaf springs that are built for rebound, and there's some leaf springs that are built for like oh, okay, I need all this weight, so these leaf springs need to be hold a certain, up everything. Hold up yeah. everything. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's good to know because I know with rock crawling, like we we go for just pure down travel. We don't right. really give a shit about up travel too much. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, but if you're if you're going and hitting stuff faster, and you you don't want your axle to come up through your floorboards, right, essentially, right. Uh, you need to worry a little bit more about some up travel there. So right. your shocks can shock and absorb everything a little bit better. Um, so that's cool. The what about uh, solid axles versus IFS? So that. I, I would say IFS. Okay. For overlanding. Or okay. For, you know, for that type of thing. I mean, uh-huh. obviously... That is what we're talking about. Right, yep. right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, straight, straight axles are obviously king on, on the rocks and rock crawling, but um, I've had a couple of friends in Jeeps that have gone, like, that long trail with us. A couple of guys in some older FJ80s uh-huh. that have straight axle, and we leave them in the dust on fire roads. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. That, that sounds so Literally, cool. Literally. We leave them in, in the, the dust, dust. <laughs> in fire roads. But um, it's not as comfortable for them because it's, it, mm-hmm. it, IFS and straight axle are two totally different vehicles. And the cool thing about IFS is it can, depending on you know how good you are at wheeling, it can handle some rock crawling mm-hmm. depending on how you can drive mm-hmm. and if you've got sliders or not. Like It Absolutely. can make... There are certain places that IFS can still handle the rock crawl, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. but it operates just as good in, you know, open dirt road. Um, and that's that's been a big thing because, you know, guys are always like, oh, my, my molar almost came off because my Jeep <laughs> can't go, you know, faster than this. But yeah, obviously, there's some really, really built strong, uh, straight axles that can handle the speed. Mm-hmm. But out of the box, you know, like off the lot straight axles, I don't. Right. Plus, I think a, a, a good an alternative answer to that is uh, IFSs are much more comfortable on the road as well. And mm-hmm. you're going to be doing a lot of road driving. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. and so it's, you know, for the, you know, if you're using your overland rig 80% of the time, you know, you're driving around town as a daily driver and then 20% of the time you're using it to go overlanding, you know, you might as well have an IFS and you, you have the creature comforts mm-hmm. while you're doing your day job stuff yeah yeah and i've been extremely happy with it it's comfortable you know like i can take it anywhere you know like it, it, it can be my daily but at the same time if it needs to go off road it's ready yeah so. yeah i had um a an 07 taco dual mm-hmm. cab long bed with the the four liter the 4.0 in 4.0, there yeah and um you're absolutely right you just <laughs> it eats up fire roads you can go bombing down there as fast as you want mm-hmm. and it's just nice smooth comfortable ride so and the crazy part is the faster you go the smoother it gets uh-huh. yeah, isn't that funny yeah so that's um you know that's really where ifs wins is mm-hmm. is that type of off-roading yeah so. cool um so let's talk a little bit about axles because I know for overlanding, it's not 
as big of an issue as right. you need for, say, rock crawling or, um, say, desert racing kind of thing. But um, for overlanding, are there any axles, types, things you can do to axles you want to stay away from or that you want to prioritize in your axles? We've talked a little bit about gearing, which is right. one of the things you need to discuss. Um, and for the Toyotas, I think the 529s, at least if you have the 3.5 engine, right? Um, 529s are definitely kind of the way you want to go with it. Um, but what about other things, you know, do you want to be full width? Does that matter? Getting a full width axle versus a Toyota width axle versus a Samurai width axle or, <laughs> um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, I, that hasn't really come up that much. There's, there's some discussions where people get in the weeds about like axle width and axle size. Mm-hmm. And I think like in the snow or, you know, that might be a, a bigger thing because you're kind of tracking your tires. And if you're rear axle is bigger or you know wider in the back than the front you're working mm-hmm. twice as hard through the snow yeah that's the only time that kind of stuff ever really got brought up on our axles okay. um, you know toyota the the newer toyota axles are kind of already trussed out of the factory if you can kind of look at how they're shaped mm-hmm. but like i said mine's trust and it it's bad it's so bad. I, yeah <laughs> so um Axle stuff, at least personally for me, there wasn't too much discussion on axle stuff. Okay. Um, people do put axle skids or, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll do different things to kind of protect mm-hmm. the axle. Um, people change things on the axle, like where their shocks are located mm-hmm. to have more clearance or um, additions like that. But mm-hmm. for the most part, nobody's doing anything super crazy with axles. Yeah. Um, no swapping them around or moving things. You know, there's people that have, you know, rough stuff or like you said, mm-hmm. like the trail gear stuff. And, you know, some other guys are fortunate and are doing curry nines on the back yeah. of their overland rigs. But, uh-huh. um, you know, if you can afford it and you want to bomb proof your axle one time and never have to look at it again, I guess that's a good way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mine still drives pretty straight for now. So till it does, <laughs> then um, I can, you know, look at that later. But um, axles, um, at least personally, I haven't in my group of friends that mm-hmm. hasn't been a big thing. Cool. So. What about uh, lockers? Lockers. Um, mm-hmm. If you can have two, have two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I like the, the limited, which we talked about earlier, is my plush SR5. It didn't have a rear locker. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, well, no, I want leather seats. <laughs> so I'll get a locker later. But I, I did put a rear locker in there. Uh-huh. Um, I'm unsure of if I'm going to put a front locker yet because it just hasn't come up in any of my travels that I needed it. Mm-hmm. I've always just got out of the truck and stacked some rocks and we've made it up or I've gotten winched at one or the other. Yeah. So, um, I think lockers are absolutely – for the two times you might – you know, for an average person, uh-huh. the two times a year they might need the locker, you know, at least yeah. it's there. Then it's better to have it than not. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Cool. Would you what recommend about, going well, like a Detroit locker or selectable – or a spool or something. So I would do um I would do selectable like an ARB mm-hmm. air locker. Mm-hmm. Um because I've just heard of, of stories of people daily driving their Detroit and they take a turn and it locks up <laughs> because it you know yep. it thinks it's slipping. <laughs> yeah. So I um I had a long two hour discussion. I don't know if you guys know who Yoda Man is in Santa Rosa. I know of him. Of I've him, never right. met him before. I've seen a lot of his work, though. Nice. So, I have yeah. a, I have an office right next to his shop. So oh, I, nice. I used to fancy going in I'm there. I'm going to come over and visit your office sometime. Right, right. <laughs> I really I, just go over and talk to him. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I talked to him for a, a couple hours one day on, um, on an extended break. And uh, <laughs> we were talking about, like, okay, well, you know, what's the Detroit Locker or True Track is, you know, half the price of an ARB. I don't need, an, uh, you know, a compressor to run it. Like, what would be my pros and cons? And Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things he brought up is there's just times where if you're making a fast enough turn, 
mm-hmm. in your daily, your truck can lock up. Yeah. And that was the main reason I didn't do um, a true track or Detroit yeah, Locker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan for uh, overlanding applications of doing selectable lockers, oh, either yeah. an e-locker, aux locker, ARB, air locker, something like that. Um, something you can turn off because, as you said, and Jimmy has said quite a bit, you know, you're you're spending eighty percent of your time on the road, right? right. Um, and so having something where if you're going to be spending any time on the road, um, having your rear end lock up on you when you're going around corners is not a lot of fun. Right. At least with it a spool. Is, <laughs> it is fun. I've had a Detroit in the back of Bobcat and oh. drove it on the road for years. And yeah, you take the corner and then all of a sudden it engages and your whole rear end jumps over like a foot. <laughs> right. like, and it, before and I if actually, nobody, if you have a passenger that has no, never experienced that ever before in their life, they're, they're like, what happened? Did your axle just fall off? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> I was actually, so uh, if I remember right, I was actually looking at ox lockers first because it's like a lever, right? It's a mechanical, mechanical linkage. Yeah. Linkage. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, the less amount, because the Tacomas now there's, they're ran by computers. And I was like, the yeah. less digital stuff I can have on the Tacoma, the better. I actually just had to fix my actuator like a couple of weeks ago because it got flooded. Oh, no. But I was looking at ox lockers How first. How did that happen? Yeah, it, the, it got flooded yeah, with water? Yeah. So, <laughs> the, the Tacoma actuator, we have the little, you know, on 400s too, it's just a little spinny button and, um, you know, electronic. Um, oh, the four-wheel drive actuator. Four-wheel drive Okay, actuator. I thought you were talking about your locker actuator. No, no, uh, the, the four-wheel drive actuator. Okay. So, it's right in front I still of want to know how it got flooded. <laughs> water crossings, man. <laughs> um, we were in Coyote Flats and me and my buddy Virgil, we were like, oh, man, that looks deep. We have snorkels. We should try it. <laughs> so, we went through it maybe four times that weekend. Oh, the truck, the, My truck got back and it didn't recognize that I wanted to go into four-wheel drive. It just flashed. So, the actuator, if you open it up, it's just two little connectors that tell your car that you want to go into four-wheel drive and it mm, switches. Uh-huh. So, the it's has a little OEM gasket seal that doesn't seal anything out. <laughs> so, literally, um, when I opened it, mud came out. Oh, no. Oh. So, um, you know, <laughs> there was already a fix on the internet. So, Toyota wanted like 1300 to replace it. And yeah. me being super cheap and frugal, I was like, <laughs> no, there's got to be a way. So I took it apart. You have to sand down the connectors. Yep. Sprayed dielectric grease everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I probably used half of the silicone tube <laughs> on, top, <laughs> yeah, on top of the gasket, sandwiched it back together, um, and then put it back on the truck. But I'd saved myself 1300 bucks. Nice. I spent And like, it hopefully it will never leak again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if it does, I know, I do know how to fix it. Um, yeah, but you're going to have a whole heartache of pulling those two pieces apart with half of that thing of silicone on there. Yeah, all the, it's, it's pretty caked up in there. But, but now, knowing how, because, I mean, if you're if you're wheeling somewhere and your electronic four-wheel drive doesn't want to go into four-wheel drive, that's a big problem. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I avoid as much as I can water crossings now. Nice. <laughs> not because not not because I don't like them. It's because I don't want to have to mess with the actuator again. Uh, okay. But if, you know, obviously, if I have to do it, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, awesome. So, yeah, what about... And this is going to be, I think, the big category. Um, accessories. Because I know with, with different types of off-roading, mudding, you, there's like no accessories whatsoever. Right. Rock crawling, there's very few accessories. Desert racing, there's you're starting to get a few more. But uh, I think overlanding is really the one category where you can just go batshit crazy over all the accessories out there. What, what do we need to go off... Should we- should we 
try to tone this down a little, maybe. <laughs> I was gonna say we only, yeah, we only so, have like, uh, like, sort of mandatory <laughs> accessories. Yeah, so what, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, what are can we break it down into categories of what's mandatory? Right. What are some things that might be? I mean, because nice we could spend have. like forty minutes on lights. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, I uh, I think that's why overlanding is such a cash cow because it's not just wheeling anymore. Uh-huh. It's right. how comfortable is your bed? Yeah. <laughs> how many cast irons can you fit in your moly panel on your floor? Yeah. There's it's the accessories for overlanding is nuts. I mean, there's so many manufacturers create and you know. A lot of innovative stuff is out there. Mm-hmm. There's different panels, so you can stick your, you know, your CB radio on stuff. There's, mm-hmm. there's switch panels that can turn on all your lights. There's mm-hmm. lockers mm-hmm. for your center console, so you can put your gun in there. There's fifty million roof racks now, yeah. different bed racks, different uh-huh. um, rooftop tents. Like people are cashing in on on overlanding, and and you know more power to them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different accessories that can go into different parts of the truck that people are noticing and making innovations to like everything on mm-hmm. the truck. Um, yeah. Um, you know, moly panels on the side windows of foreigners because those side windows are pretty useless unless you're back there, but manufacturers right. are creating moly panels where you can stick your ax for whatever mm-hmm. you need ax, you know, your shovel, your lights, <laughs> first your aid kits, first yeah. aid yeah. kits. Yeah. What's that? Fire extinguishers. <laughs> I have like six spatulas. I don't know what a first aid kit is. <laughs> but, um, you know, and even rooftop tents, you've got hard shells, you've got the conventional flipovers, you have motorized rooftop tents uh-huh. now, you have, um, you know, wedge campers, you have habitat campers. It's uh-huh. the the spectrum of what it's done to the pastime or the hobby. It's, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people, you know, things keep evolving, things keep changing and and people are, you know, obviously there's a, you recognize the value of an item, mm-hmm. but I can cook something on my Walmart pan just as I can cook it on a $200, $300 specialized overlanding pan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's super lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> it's super lightweight and it, it compacts down. It's a... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, where where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Um, what are the things that you want to prioritize your money in? Let's start there. You know, what are what are the first things you want to look for to start off with overlanding. So I think the number one thing that people don't talk about in overlanding or off-roading is mm-hmm. uh, first safety. Mm-hmm. I think safety, safety third. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sa- I think, I think safety is like a big thing in overlanding. So, I mean, that can, that can cover like everything, whether first aid kit, fire extinguisher, something can catch on fire. Okay. You know, you want to protect your truck. So people get armor first. Um, the the main thing is everybody gets home safe, right? So yeah. you usually build your truck to at least hit those couple of points first is to make sure you get home. Okay. And that's that's the thing about overlanding. The stigma is people are like, oh, overlanders don't go go hard on the trail. It's like, well, we're seven hundred miles from home and we have to get <laughs> we have to get home. Yeah. Like you trailered your truck and you get to just walk back and right. you know, drive it back home and not a big yeah. deal. So um that is the the, the major thing is people and in terms of accessory, I guess you can call it modification, but people make it so their truck can make it back home. So whether gotcha. it's it's skids, tank skid, mm-hmm. something yeah. you know, trans skid, trans front skid, skid, front skid mm-hmm. you front know, bumper, rear bumper. Let's make sure you put a winch on there so you can get mm-hmm. out. You know, things like that. I yeah. think that would be the most vital thing. Okay, because you can put your food in a tote in a cooler and mm-hmm. you know clothes in a bag. People have that. Yeah, yeah. you can use a igloo co- cooler over a Dometic fridge. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
you can use get mountain house packets instead of camping or packing a bunch of camp kitchen equipment stuff right, like that. So right. yeah, um, cool. So accessory, not accessory, uh, safety stuff typically first, just stuff that's going to help you get back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, more the kind of creature comforts once you have that kind of baseline stuff yeah. down. So. So, like, like I said, how it evolved was you kind of mm-hmm. figure out every trip what you need and what you don't need. So, mm-hmm. I think the first thing people look at is what they're going to eat yeah. after they get to camp. So, they're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, here's a cooler for my beers and waters. And, you know, this is my Coleman $40 stove and this is my pan and this is that. Yeah. And basically, that's all you need. Yeah. But if you can, you know, on your swing out, you can put a table that mm-hmm. covers one item that you don't have to carry every time. Yeah. If you get drawers, you don't need to have totes. You can put everything or leave everything in the truck because right, what's the worst thing about camping is unpacking, right? Unpacking like to, and packing back You have to get home. You <laughs> got to clean everything out. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I think that's the first thing people worry about is, is I guess the essentials at camp. Like, what am I going to cook with? Yeah. What am I going to start the fire with? I think that's, you know, different now. Yeah. Because before, I mean, I used to throw a starter log in there and light it and call it in. Now, <laughs> yeah. now I have a torch. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> like a real, like, flamethrower torch. Like a propane torch you keep in there? Or? No, it's a butane, like, it's from Covea, but it's like, it's not like a, <laughs> that kind of torch. Uh-huh. It's like a full-on flamethrower. <laughs> but I've never had an issue starting a fire. <laughs> nice. So... Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to show me that one yeah I mean, we're gonna need an instagram because, photo for that yeah because i had a little essentially it was a little electric taser almost right, right it just right. creates a, a, a perpetually going spark so even if it's raining or windy you still have an ignition source right and then it's just a matter of finding dry components to burn um but if you have a freaking big ass torch and you don't even need to find the dry yeah, components right. anymore <laughs> so like that's that's one of the things you find out right mm-hmm. so a lot of times we get to camp late the one thing we need is light so we can yeah. see what we're doing right yeah. and so start a fire i don't know how many times i was like all right guys so how are we gonna start it who has a lighter uh yeah. oh uh, yeah well a lighter yeah <laughs> uh, can't you just get it to start all right so <laughs> i think now that's something i you know the less things i have to worry about on a trip the better yeah because then it makes you know your trip a lot more so much fun. more enjoyable yeah mm-hmm. Nice. What about, because um, I know these have been getting really popular and I know they hit kind of a peak, mm-hmm. I want to say last year, year before maybe, and I haven't seen a whole lot of extra innovation seeing them out on the trail a ton, but uh, uh, trailers. Trailers. Okay. Yeah. So, the the cool thing about trailers, at least in, in, in this segment, is mm-hmm. you can leave base camp somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't, you don't have all the weight in the truck. You can leave base camp somewhere. Uh, you know, if depending how fancy your trailer is, it has some uh-huh. AGM battery, it has solar, it has water, hot water maybe if you're fancy, uh-huh. your cooler, your fridge, your rooftop tents on it. Um, you know, you're dragging that around and you can just leave it at camp. Um, the issue is most trailers um, for the overlanding scene are extremely expensive. Yeah. It's really like expensive. <laughs> like I've seen $40,000 trailers at Overlanding West because they're literally a house. Yeah. But the issue about trailers is um, it's hard to maneuver on the trail if you're not an experienced trailer driver. I and I'm, I'm not I'm okay. not saying it's hard to drive around, but have you ever tried to turn around yeah. on yeah. a trail with a trailer? Do you turn <laughs> on a, a very small trail with a yeah. trailer? With a trailer. Even just backing up some of those trailers are difficult because the axle is so close to the vehicle. So short, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you don't have this long tongue. Right. And, you know, it's... It, just turns on a dime when you're trying to stay straight. You know? mm-hmm. but, yeah. And and that's a, the great thing because like for work, I've hauled, you know, 30, 40 foot trailers and it 
drives like a dream. And I remember one time I hauled like a small Smitty built trailer for yeah. a friend. We were just transporting it. And I was like, I can't drive this thing. <laughs> There's like a lot of, you know, uh, trailer hop. And then I can't uh-huh. back it up because it's jackknifing already. Yeah. And I'm, but I can do a 40 foot trailer. I yeah. can back yeah. that up into a space. But the little ones, I was like, no, I can't. Yeah. I, can't do I put it. a wood splitter on the back of Charlotte the other day and I had to back it up. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I mean, it's like four feet off my bumper. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah, what? It's, yeah. We, so, interesting. so that would make sense why they kind of came to a crux. I mean, it was like, Everybody was talking about them, right? But then mm-hmm. I never really see them out on the trail. So I was wondering if there were some issues with the trailers. And it sounds like they just, you know, there when was you're out a, on a trail. It's um, the bill besides the the normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of like people flipping trailers over. Um, and let, let's be absolutely honest: not everybody in overlanding has probably even driven a trailer in their life. And a lot of people were getting them because obviously they offered a lot of uh, of pros and cons. Mm-hmm. You know, you. You can leave it at camp. You know, you can put your rooftop tent on there. There's less weight on your truck. Yeah. You're just hauling it. And you can bring more people. You can bring more people in the truck. Mm -hmm. There's just more space in your truck. Okay. Because I don't know how often I've stuffed my truck and like, you know, my sleeping bag's falling on me at a (laughs) stoplight because my back seat is full of um, items. And I I think that's the reason people aren't getting them either is because they're extremely pricey. Even like I think Smitty Built makes like a weld it yourself or do it yourself trailer. And it's, it's like it's like a base platform. It starts, I want to say, four thousand, forty five, four thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. <laughs> and that's like nothing on it, and you have to put it all together yourself. It's like really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people are, you know, going through Craigslist and they're finding like old military trailers that they can outfit. Mm-hmm. And it just, like I said, it depends on how, like, what your skill set is and how fancy you want it. Because yeah. some guys know how to weld; they can go weld a frame on, a, mm-hmm. you know, a trailer and make it work out for what they need. But mm-hmm. if you don't have that skill. You're, you're paying the man usually to get you something built. Yeah. Um, and at least for me, I don't I don't know if five grand on a trailer or, you know, even up to 10 grand is worth it for something that I'm going to take out 10 times a year. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of what I do like about trailers, I mean, there's a lot of pros. Right. But one of the, the, one of the major things that I like about trailers is that it is easier on your vehicle. Correct. You know, and it's like, if you think about it, you know, let's say, you know, let's say I'm like He-Man and I can <laughs> easily carry, you know, 200 pounds in my hands, right? You know, right. and, um, you know, and I can, I can do that, right? Like physically I could do that. But if I put 200 pounds in a wheelbarrow and tried to move the wheelbarrow around, it's a lot easier. Right. And that's, you know, the analogy I like to use about trailers, you know, it's, it's easier to put that weight on the trailer and have it be pulled because then your vehicle isn't worried about carrying the weight and moving, you know, the weight. All mm-hmm. it has to worry about is moving the weight. Right. Yeah. The the one thing I I actually did look at for a little bit and I actually considered hard was a uh, an Oregon trailer, so a teardrop like an off-road teardrop. Oh uh, yeah. Only because I'm lazy. And all I wanted to do was get <laughs> well, to Well, wouldn't ca- you die of sy- syphilis or something? No. Oh no. no. Uh, syphilis. <laughs> well, when I was when I was looking at the off-road teardrops being lazy once again, you park it and I just have to open a door yeah. and I can go to sleep. I guess <laughs> right. so, So you know, because I've set up so many different types. No of- wonder you liked the van. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. The, the van might be my next thing is because you can just open the door and go to sleep. Yeah. What did they die of on the Oregon Trail? Uh, I don't know. What was the game? Remember the game? Or Dip, it wasn't diphtheria. Diphtheria. That's what it was. Not syphilis. Yeah, I, think, I was trying to figure out where the hell the syphilis reference the is coming trail, from. The Oregon Trail, the Oregon video game. It's, uh, now I remember, but it's diphtheria. Yeah, diphtheria. Diphtheria. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think um, you know, there's a lot of people that are are making trailers, and uh, you know, it's it's not they're not big companies. They're smaller mom and pop shops that are building trailers, and that's why I think they're so expensive. Is a lot of the times after the frame comes in, it's all handmade. Yeah, there's a lot there, of hours. There's in, no like streamlined way to set up a uh a assembly line afford or right. something kind of thing so yeah and people are getting smart people are just getting regular cargo trailers and then you know they're aluminum so they're better in weather yeah nothing's gonna leak so people are taking like two thousand dollar cargo trailers and outfitting it themselves oh nice but you like i said you'd have to have the skill the set to want to do, yeah. mm-hmm. to do something like that mm. or you're paying 10 grand for essentially <laughs> yeah i want to do a cargo trailer now on 37s that might be pretty cool, actually. Tow behind Bobcat. Uh-huh. <laughs> you better put a different engine in Bobcat. Yeah, with the rooftop tent on the top of the cargo ship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did we, get, did we get to the rooftop tent section? We, uh, oh, we did. We did. Kind, kind of, of accessories. I, was, I mean, yeah. So, let's let's go back and hit on those because those are always huge. Everybody loves them. Right. Um, do you need a rooftop tent for overlanding? Do, is there any brands you should stay away from? Any ones that you would recommend? Um, no, you don't need a rooftop yeah. tent for overlanding but it does make everything easier right like uh-huh. you're off the ground you can you know you're kind of away from the elements you don't have to worry about condensation mm-hmm. but it's um they're, they're relatively light like the the little regular fold over ones like the one jimmy has i mean mm-hmm. i don't think it's over, some of them range from like the smaller ones are like 78 pounds mm-hmm. and then they get as heavy as 160 depending on if you have like a five person rooftop tent or not but <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> but that the, they some of them pose a, a an issue because a lot of the heavier ones, uh-huh. if you're off camber on a trail, what's the one thing that's going to flip you over? Hey, probably your seven person <laughs> rooftop, rooftop tent, tent up top. Yeah. Up top. Um, yeah. So no, I don't. I don't think it's necessary for camping, um, <laughs> overlanding. I don't think it's necessary at all. But it does. It does make everything easier because you don't have to worry about poles or stakes or staking anything down. You just flip it over, unzip it, and you're ready to go to sleep. Yeah. You know, you bring your sleeping bag up there, a couple of lights and, and you're good to go for the night and then you mm-hmm. close it back up in the morning. So that's also great because how often have you camped and then your tent's super dirty and you got to put it back in the truck. You don't have to do that with a rooftop tent. You keep it all outside. Yeah. True. But you do, I mean, speaking from some knowledge with rooftop right. tents here, right. I usually bring my, when I get home, I open the rooftop tent up out again to air it out or dry it out because i mean what we'll talk about in next episode is my trip out to gold lakes it was i got frosty it got cold it got wet you know and i when i came home i wanted to open it up and dry dry it out you know and so you either you pretty much have to do that with both tents anyway yeah but you know yeah it's not dirty all the time yeah it's it's just easier upkeep uh, Mm -hmm. i think on a rooftop tent but like if you're if you're looking at a budget you know what's a hundred dollar tent versus a $1,400 rooftop tent, you know, that's kind of where you're going to have your battles with yourself. Yeah. And you you still got to find level ground, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to put some, you know, maybe it's a little easier with a truck because you could like stack up some wood or some rocks and park on something, you know. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've come into camp late and I slept like a little crooked because my (laughs) rooftop tent was like on a, you know, my truck was on a slant. Yeah. And I was like, I'm too lazy to move. And the little, (laughs) my truck has the... On the dash, you can change it so you can see what its pitch and yaw is. Right, right. And it's not that accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it says I'm zero zero, and I get out and I like laying in bed that night and like leaning over against the wall. I'm like, dang it, yeah, not not straight. So yeah, no, I don't. Uh, you know, rooftop tents are great. They're they're obviously popular mm-hmm. for a reason, but mm-hmm. um, you know, there there are cons about them, like the weight up top or even fuel mileage or uh, you know, MPGs because you are. There's a giant block on top of your truck. Sure, right. Um, 
and the limited space that's in a rooftop tent. You can stand in some ground tents. You can't stand in a rooftop tent. Nah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But they do have like hard shells now and stuff like that, which is really easy. Yeah. To do two buttons and your tent's up. And yeah. I think for multi-day trips, that's one less thing you have to pack. You just flip a button and you're in your tent. You're there. So. Yeah. What about um, awnings and uh, um, like the the kind of outdoor rooms you can build with your awnings? Are those just completely unnecessary, just completely creature comforts, one of the last things you want to look at when putting together an overlanding build or... So I think I think the awnings are great, but you can't mm-hmm. change where the shadow is going to be. So uh, I had an awning for about a month, and you know I had it deployed, but the shade was to the left of the awning <laughs> because you, the sun has to be directly above you for you to enjoy that awning. Uh, um, they make uh, you know like I think the Batwing or the Alucab. Yeah. So they're they're cool because they're they don't have to be on the ground. Yeah. So you can kind of move your truck where the you know you need the shadow to be or you need the shade to be, but. Mm-hmm. My, my, my thing was like, let's say you're out in the woods and you have to evacuate because there's a fire or something like that or, you know, something crazy where you have to pack up quick, mm-hmm. but your awning <laughs> and your buildable room in the awning is, <laughs> is all pitched down and, you know, sometimes it's almost, it almost takes longer than packing a tent. Oh, really? Because you have to take the awning out, you have uh-huh. to put the stakes down, you have to tie it down, zip the room in. Okay. Zip the floor in if they have a floor. Uh-huh. And that would be, you know, where you sleep. But if you're like, oh, man, I want to move my truck. Oh, Then you got to put all that to, back away. Yeah. But I have a couple okay. friends that have them and, and they're mm-hmm. great for just having, you know, you're not, you don't have to carry a tent because you just carry some, some extra, uh, you know, walls and I you see. can mm-hmm. deploy the awning and then you yeah. can have it as long as you're okay with not moving your truck for the rest of the yeah. trip. Right. So pros and, and then, cons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then you can have like a few people sleep up top and you bring an air mattress and you have a few people sleep, sleep on, the on the bottom building. Yeah. At the bottom. And I think the, you know, you could look at different ones that have like mesh netting would be super popular, probably down in the South where Uh, there's tons of mosquitoes and bugs and Mm -hmm. insects, you know, just flying around and you could go into a location and have food and eat where Mm -hmm. there's not going to be that. And I think that that goes back to how you outfit your truck for the capacity need, right? So if you're a family Uh and you've got a two person rooftop tent, but you've got a dog and kids, like where's there not everybody's going to fit up top. So that's something nice that's already on the truck that you can turn into a room mm-hmm. versus, okay, well, let me pack another tent with this tent and another yeah. tent. <laughs> so, it, it all de- that's the crazy about it thing about it is it's like a Lego puzzle of what you're going to put on your truck. <laughs> nice. Well, cool. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on, hit on before we close out the episode? I think I think we've covered everything. We covered yeah. cooking and sleeping mm-hmm. yeah, and four-wheeling and <laughs> camping and, oh, we didn't cover lights. Uh, yeah. So, what are you looking for with lights? Before you answer that, uh-huh. how many lights do you have on your truck? Exactly. <laughs> well, okay, one. <laughs> uh, quite a bit. <laughs> so, I've got the one on the Prince rack. I've got the one in the bumper. I've got two front ambers for dust so people could see me coming. Ditch lights? Yeah, the ditch lights. Those are the, My ditch lights are amber. Yeah. Okay. Because for a long time, I didn't like ditch lights because they bugged me. Because yeah. they were just in the window and I can, you know, even though that's... You can't front, see out. You can't see out. So, I got the smaller dish lights. Um, and then in the rear, I just have the amber um, amber lights for dust so people don't run into me. Oh, and then I have the whole bottom of the truck because my good friend James was like, well, what if you break something in the dark? Yeah. And you have to go <laughs> under. So, yeah. I have the whole bottom side 
lit up. But it's not like I'm Fast and the Furious and I turn it on while I'm driving. It's uh, <laughs> I don't actually I don't have rock lights. They're not in the wheel wells, but they're just in the bottom. So if I like break okay. a drive line or snap like a brake line, I can see sure. where I'm working. Okay. And then there's a shit ton of lights in the camper. Because okay. because when I and open also all, a sound bar. Oh yes, I do have. <laughs> I have a giant thousand watt sound bar in the back of the truck. Right? Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that. Yet, I have Tyler. not seen that yet. That's not a necessity. No. It's not a necessity. But after this, but I might have to party. show you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I built the back not for uh, overlanding. I built it to party. Nice. <laughs> it's the it's the pregame camper in the back. So there you go. Well, weren't you just talking about before we recorded? Before we started recording, um, some bro dozers that had just lines of marine speakers in their spare tire yeah, so, areas underneath the rigs. <laughs> so uh, we, I was fortunate enough to kind of help with NorCal Truck Mania this year, and they're trying to build their off roading wheeling side a little bit bigger because mm-hmm. it's been known for like sled pulls and uh, you know fast little Chevys and, and Dodges and, yeah. and um, drag races. But now they're building their four wheel four wheeling section up so um the amount of trucks that were out there i mean it's you know it's a whole different world out there like <laughs> yeah the <laughs> diesel trucks that are out there like that's what the, jimmy was saying we just did uh the last episode i think it was yeah episode 36 yeah. uh was on his, right. him out at truck mania so well yeah. some, some of those trucks like you know obviously it's much different from what we do but the amount of intricacy that goes into some of those suspensions is like, is your, are your ham joints painted? Right. <laughs> are, they, are your, are your track bars anodized? Um, you know, there was just a lot of crazy, yeah. you know. How much more chrome can you actually put underneath that? Right, yeah. right. I think I saw, like, I saw the first time in person, or at least now that I was cautious about, or, you know. Um, conscious. Conscious. There you go. Sorry, mm-hmm. wrong yeah. word. Conscious about it was, that I think I saw my first painted axle, like. Oh, really? Painted yeah. for looks, like white uh-huh. rear axle, <laughs> white drive line, uh-huh. and all the heim joints were like painted gold. Wow! Which I, you know, it's cool in its own sense. Yeah, yeah. But I guess for what we do, it's not going to matter because we covered in dirt. But yeah, right. um, you know, eye opening at NorCal Truck Mania. A lot of cool yeah. stuff mm-hmm. there. So nice. What led us there? I don't remember. Um, lighting. Oh, lighting. We started with yeah, lighting. lighting. Oh, sound bar. <laughs> sound bar to, it got, it, it went <laughs> because we saw a truck at Truck Mania that had boat speakers where the rear tire under the truck bed should go. Right. Between the frame rails? Between right. the frame rails. <laughs> I had like four of them. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. It was loud. <laughs> I bet his whole bed was full of amps. I would just play uh, like diesel clips from my stereo to those plus yeah. the diesel I already have oh, just, crack, to crack, the, crack, 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 just to make the truck sound even <laughs> crazier. Well, it's like electric Do cars. A, a that turbo burn. blow off sound from yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You stopped. How are you doing that? <laughs> uh, lighting. So lighting. Yeah. What, what would you want to prioritize for overland lighting? It okay. sounds like the first thing you mentioned was lighting up your camp area. Yeah, so th- that's really important because uh, how many times have you gone out and you've had only a flashlight and you're trying mm-hmm. to cook or yeah. you're trying to set a tent up? So mm-hmm. besides the basic camping stuff like a like a headlamp or a flashlight, um, I think wherever your workspace is at camp needs to be well lit. Okay. Well, one, it just makes things easier. You- you're mm-hmm. going to know if your steak is medium rare or well done. <laughs> you got to have the important priorities. Important. Yeah, just poke yeah. it. so a lot of guys will bring like an outside light into camp like whether it's like a ready light or like a bazooka light from milwaukee they'll bring something that'll light up their area like good lighting you Mm -hmm. know not just a flashlight or you know like one little lantern but yeah um that's the part in overlanding i guess you could say we're accessorizing so every door i open in the camper has lights on it 
So if I open the side up, it actually throws ambient light out onto that whole side of the truck. Huh. So I can cook and do everything from the truck with a switch of a button. Nice. So that okay. made life easier for me because I'm not looking for my lantern. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it having batteries. I don't have to move it around to go from my fridge or my cooler back to my drawers, back to my cooking area. Okay. There's just that. That's I made my work. I guess that's the essence of it is I made my workstation easier for me. Nice. Because with one flip of a switch, I can cook. I can you know clean stuff stuff up. And uh-huh. I don't have to move any lights. It's already where I expect it to be. So, so how do you how do you set up your electrical system? Do you, I'm assuming you have That's dual batteries, no, triple yeah. batteries. No, here's cheap Norris again. Cheap. I have, <laughs> I, have a I have big alternator. I have one big Group 31 Northstar battery. It's okay, a, it's 103 amp hours. Okay, somebody the guy at the shop told me it's big enough to start a semi truck, but uh, the Dometic doesn't draw too much power, and LED lights don't draw too much power. So. If I did my calculations right, I could run my Dometic uh-huh. on that one battery for like 47 hours before I have to start the truck. Sounds all right. Dometics yeah. usually run about two amps. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's really low, right? Yeah. So, um, I did the Group 31 because I just heard of nightmare stories of people running dual battery, mm-hmm. um, whether it wasn't installed correctly or the alternator wasn't working right or for some reason they were both dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could, you know, there, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out now like Goal Zero or Blackfire or mm-hmm. or Jackery US where you have an external battery that you can charge your peripherals on, even your fridge. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's better because at the end of the day, I don't care if my fridge is dead or my you, food you is bad. You need to get home. I yeah. need to get home yeah. or I can go to a store and get more food. So, I wanted to make sure um, I had the battery to do that. And I don't run that many electronics on the car at camp, uh-huh. just the lights at camp and the Dometic. Okay. That uh, my gigantic soundbar. I, I was going to say, what about that soundbar? <laughs> the soundbar will run at full capacity if my truck's on, but okay. when my truck's off, I keep it pretty low so I don't drain the battery. Okay, it's a thousand watt, <laughs> thousand watt speaker. It's actually a UTV ATV speaker. I've seen those. Okay, I think I know which one you're talking about. Right. Then, um, yeah, because that's put only like four of those mm-hmm. underneath the wheel wear well area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I put it in the back. You can have a competition with that diesel guy. <laughs> I think I think he's got me beat on that one. But uh, yeah, I, I, that that speaker I'll have to show you later. Yeah, cool. nice because that was that's kind of been my next big step with the my second gen Forerunner is mm-hmm. how I'm going to set it up electrically. And I have all the dual battery setups. I've got the batteries for mm-hmm. it. Um, it's just a matter of. You know, how, how do I want to set it up? And right. I'm kind of trying to set it up for that, that quote unquote rock landing essence where I can still set the rig up and do Ford ice right. for two weeks at a time and not worry about it kind of thing. So I'm going to need to put in some kind of, I think, a, like a mini 50 to 100 watt solar panel up on the roof, one of those flexible ones now. Right. Um, and set it up to the, the second battery, but then. You know, I've also heard horror stories of people not wiring it up correctly or something f- failing on it, and then all of a sudden you're fucked. Right. So, um, I think the 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 solar panel mounted on the truck is a great thing, but mm-hmm. um, I think the foldable ones mm-hmm. or or some of the ones that you can move around, like even the Goal Zeros, are a little yeah. bit easier, only because. Um, how, you know, like like just like with an awning, the mm-hmm. sun can move away from your truck unless yeah. you're in an open space. People can move around the the charger or the solar panel in different places. Yeah. Um, what I've seen that's really cool is how they do it on really great usable space on the truck. So instead of taking a solar panel and putting it on your roof rack and wasting roof rack space, there's a solar panel that goes on top of your hood. 
Oh, interesting. Because you don't you don't really put anything on yeah. your unless you have a Jeep and you put stuff there. But yeah, there's companies now. I don't know, I don't know who they are, but they'll make um, those cells so it actually goes onto your hood, almost huh. like a wrap. Uh-huh. Or you can just have it so it's you know wow. mounted somehow. But yeah. that is usable space on the truck. Is yeah. you put mount you know you put a solar panel on the hood. That's huh. really cool. Yeah. Right. And then um, the cool thing is you can set it up to where you just hook up a Anderson plug and charge your yep. battery while you're mm-hmm. at camp. Yep. Or you can even go beyond that and have it so it always turns on when your truck's off and it's always grabbing sun. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that could be a. An and then option. you can plug it into your house. Right, <laughs> right, right. Technically, you have a Tesla. Yeah. yeah. Technically, I'd say for those for those in California right now dealing with the the PG and not E uh, shutdowns, um, that could be a backup power source for your house as well. So yep. help run a few things. Um, Cool. This has been awesome. Yeah, this has been. This fun. has been pretty neat. So, um, oh, thanks, guys. It's been cool to kind of hear about because I, I don't look into overlanding stuff a whole lot. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not a segment I pay a ton of attention to. So, learning that because I've always I've always thought I hate sun. I hate being in the sun. So I'm like an awning would be a great addition to the Forerunner for when right. I camp and everything. But then it makes perfectly sense. A lot of sense. Like, oh yeah, the, the awning may not always <laughs> keep the yeah. shadow where I need the shadow. So, right, right. Um, you got to turn your wriggle all know, the way yeah. 180 <laughs> degrees so yeah. you can use it. Yeah. I, I don't know how many yeah. times I sat under my awning and I was like, I should have bought an easy up. <laughs> instead because I can just move the easy up to where I need the shape and it's only 100 bucks and I don't need to mount it on my truck. Um, yeah. But nice. yeah, there's like, like I said, it's, you, you figure out what you need, whether it's rock crawling or overlanding. There's uh-huh. so much things in the market now that you just have to make sure it works for your, yeah. for your setup. For what you're looking to do. Yeah. And one of cool. the things I liked that you said early on is go out. Go, like, yeah. Even if figure you figure out stock, what you need go, to and what you don't go need. Go out so, uh, and, yeah, go out and learn what you need and go out and actually somewhat push your vehicle's limits or push right. your limits. Your personal really limits, what it's yeah. going to come down to because yeah. your vehicle's perfectly capable yeah i mean i don't know how many times i went out and i was like i don't need a transfer skid yet yeah and then i finally <laughs> smacked it i was like all right it's time to go <laughs> right. yeah and uh, we'll talk about a fourth gen forerunner in the next episode that is looked damn bone stock to me and it was plowing everywhere the bobcat went you know <laughs> and uh yeah and i think a lot of it you know is it's the vehicles are more capable than the human gives them credit for yeah very true yeah very true yeah. I, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, our, our stock buddies were like, I'm not going to make it up then. I'm like, you will. It'll be fine. <laughs> nice. And, and, and that's the most important thing is you don't have to have king shocks or you don't mm-hmm. have to have, you know, 35-inch tires to get on some of these trips. You can right. honestly just do it if you, you know, yeah, go out and yeah. just try. You know, uh, yeah. one thing I just thought about is, um, you know, when you're overlanding or rock crawling and, and almost any off-road sport is we air down our tires. What do you use to air down your tires? <laughs> well, <laughs> the greatest thing ever invented by this one guy I know is, yeah. is the Morflate. He's a pretty good-looking guy, too. Pretty yeah. good-looking. <laughs> tall, 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 dark, and handsome. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So, no, I, I use the Morflate. It's great. It, yeah. it pairs up with my ARB and um, a lot of guys were like, you know, ask me about it because it's, you know, that great highlighter color. Yeah. The flex hose color. And <laughs> yeah. um, most people that have seen me use it have asked me about it right away because they're, you know, down on their knees, like deflating and then inflating mm-hmm. and then checking, like, if all the pressures are the same or not. And I literally just plug it into the ARB, crack open the beer, check it a little bit later, let it air up some more, air down some more. And, and you know, it's done after that. So, yeah. right. No, uh, big ups to Tyler for that because it's great. Yeah. Woo-hoo. I did uh, use it. I didn't, uh, or I'm not, 
we can talk about this maybe a little later, but on the um, Gold Lakes Trail, I just sort mm-hmm. of ignored it for a while and walked away and started talking to Brennan. And then I was uh-huh. like, oh, crap, I got to go check my <laughs> pressure. And I was, I was at like six PSI. <laughs> I, 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 I do have a little piece of advice for when you go to your Pismo trip. Yeah. Air down before you get into the sand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I always like to go, when I go to Pismo, I do enjoy seeing how far I can get before I need to air down. Right. <laughs> well, not, not, not for, for the, for like, so the, the Morphlate on the chucks. Oh, if, if a don't get bit, it in the sand. They're, they're great because, you know, they're so tight and they, they, they don't let any air out, in or out. Mm-hmm. But if there's a little bit of sand in there, uh, it's yeah. like. <laughs> but, got it but i did it, but it i did great. learn something from uh uh one of our patreons who has a morph like kobe um he said that you know he drops his in dirt and sand all the time and he said just keep the that locking collar up yeah. all the time mm-hmm. so as soon as you pull it off your rig and you're going to coil oh. up the hose and put it in a bag put the locking collar up as well right away yeah. and that keeps dirt from getting into, into that locking yeah. collar so yeah uh, for for as much as i've used it it's never had an issue in dirt sand was just giving me a, mm-hmm. a challenge back then. <laughs> nice. no, i didn't think of that yeah that's good to know thanks yeah. yeah so cool this has been awesome thanks for coming down man yeah, uh, of course. thanks for having me guys you're gonna stick around and come back later on in the week for our halloween special too right yes sir nice. that's gonna be fun so uh that's jimmy's favorite holiday yeah. <laughs> as we learned yeah you guys are learning so much about me yeah so if you want to check out everything that mike's up to um check him out on instagram it's truck t-r-u-c-k underscore n-o-r-r-i-z so truck norris um he's got a really nice built tacoma um it's pretty I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, do you even take that off road? You sent me like 30 pictures. Like, okay, I get it. I get it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You don't yeah, have to prove yeah. yourself anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, check him out. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. You have a toy drive coming up as well that you're helping coordinate. Right. Yeah. So uh, the mm-hmm. NorCal toy drive is on December 7th from 10 to 3. So very uh, cool. There's going to be a lot of raffles. A lot of uh, vendors are coming down. We got like, we're giving away like sliders. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be some front runner stuff being given away and we're still collecting, uh, raffle prizes till that date. Um, cool. so the cool thing is uh, a couple groups from Northern California put it together. Um, Hello Trails, Expo 365, uh, Tacoma World, mm-hmm. um, Ride, uh, Ride SFO and SFO Adventure, uh, Phil nice. Segura. We, last year we wanted to do something that wasn't, um, that, you know, that wasn't like a crazy, crazy meet with vendors, but something everybody can get together for a good cause. So, Last year was a great turnout. Um, we were able to donate almost like I think five thousand dollars worth of toys to wow. the children's hospital. Uh-huh. So this year we decided to give a little bit, um, you know, more um, announcements on it, so more people would know about it. So it's, how? So before you get there, how far in advance did people know about it last year? Three weeks. Three weeks, and you had one hundred forty. One hundred forty trucks, all, and then all those toys came in that. Um, at that time, we actually didn't even have any time. We had no vendors last year because we didn't have time oh, to do it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We just had, um, you know, vendors come in their own trucks and kind of yeah. just be there. But um, this year, I mean, we're still not doing vendors because we didn't want to fill stuff up with booths. Mm-hmm. But vendors are coming in in their own, like, you know, shop vehicles and stuff. And they're going to be there. participating. They're going to the be group. participating. Nice. Yeah. So, it's going to be at Old Can Brewery in Oakland on December 7th. Okay. Um, we usually do it in the East Bay because it's kind of centralized for... Northern um, California. It's Northern very California. Central area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's an hour from SAC, an hour from San Jose, an hour mm-hmm. from Santa Rosa area. People as far as Fresno will come up and, and check nice. it out. But all the um, all the toys donated will get you a raffle ticket depending on, you know, how much toys you bring or you can uh, purchase a raffle ticket to, mm-hmm. to get a lot of cool prizes. 
Nice. Um, all the money from the raffles and the beer proceeds. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people like to drink beer. That's why we always <laughs> yeah. at beer places. Um, <laughs> all the proceeds are actually going to go to disabled veterans. Oh, very so, cool. So all that money is going to go to them. Um, we haven't um, – Trail te- Therapy has given us – Trail Therapy Off-Road? Yes. They're, all of those guys. They're helping they're us awesome. out. Yeah. So um, the money is going to be allotted to uh, veterans. And then all the toils will, will go to the – Benoit Children's Hospital in Oakland. So that's awesome. Nice. Um, it's just it, you know a, a good place to 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 come check out rigs, drink some beer, and and, and obviously a, a great cause for everyone. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll we're, put all that information down into the show notes so yep. you guys can check that out. And we'll come on out. Here. Hopefully, we see you out there. Yeah, awesome. and we'll talk a little bit more about it as well on um, Thursday's episode here, the Halloween special. So when Mike comes back and joins us for that, so. Uh, this has been awesome. This has been great. Awesome day. Fun day recording in the studio here. So thanks for coming by. Um, I, if you need to get a hold of Jimmy or I, you can do that through just search, uh, put in Google there, Snail Trail 4x4, and we'll come up. Um, my Instagram is 4x4 Toyota Tyler. And of course, Jimmy's on the, keeps a very tight control of the Snail Trail 4x4 Instagram. So, um, <laughs> have you do you have available space yet on your um instagram to take over this or no this? because i had to put my cat on there now i'll tell you about that later <laughs> <laughs> so uh, instagram lets you have five <laughs> handles that you can yeah. control and tyler has them full i have all five so you have five wow. yeah yeah um so <laughs> one of them is his cat <laughs> no, one of one of them is the secretary's cat. Oh, um, yeah. So I'll uh-huh, talk about that sure. later. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, she loves eating different foods and oh, gives yeah. ratings on them. So yeah. she ate some the hot cheetos. Cat or so the secretary? The cat. The cat. Oh, the cat. Yeah. I heard about this. Yes. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah. We'll put a link for that down <laughs> we'll below too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Put a link to all my Instagram accounts down yeah. there. Um, so cool. This has been awesome. So it's been fun. Uh, catch us if you have any questions. Just send them on into the emails you guys know the emails if you have anything you want to reach out to mike at um you know his instagram handle there so um yeah any last words for everybody out there mike we'll start with you well you know what this was fun guys i can't wait to come back next week for the next one so cool and jimmy rock landing and with that my friends keep crawling Knock why knock. did not why didn't the skeleton cross the road just out of left field i was expecting a chicken question <laughs> <laughs> uh, because he didn't have the guts yay ding, oh, ding, ding. got it uh-huh. nice okay it's more like a why riddle. why did the skeleton cross the road that i don't know i'm still blank from the first one okay. <laughs> to get to the body shop um uh, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs>